chair staff is ready when you are. Great. Okay, good evening, everyone. Are we live? Chair, we are live. Great, thank you so much. Uh, good evening, everyone. I hope everyone is enjoying this uh, wonderful October day, uh, October 10th, the Sacramento Community Police Review Commission. The meeting is now called to order. Will the clerk please call the roll and establish quorum? Thank you, Chair. Commissioners, please unmute and turn on your video. Commissioner Guerrero? Present, plus one. Thank you, so cute. Commissioner Carter? Present. Thank you. Commissioner Elcara, please correct me if I'm wrong, I'm sorry. That's correct, present. Thank you so much. Commissioner Falcon is absent tonight. Commissioner Jefferson? is absent. Commissioner Marion is also absent. Commissioner Rose Hamer is currently absent. Commissioner Espinoza Salazar present. Thank you. Commissioner Williamson? Present. Vice Chair Bliss? Here. Thank you. Chair Castillo-Krings? Present. Thank you, we have a quorum. Great. This meeting is virtual uh, via Zoom. For members of the public who wish to join, please refer to the agenda uh, for the Zoom link. Once you have joined the meeting and wish to speak, raise your hand to provide public comment when the chair, when I, sorry, um, confirm the public comment speaking period for the desired item. Online, if you are online, click on raise hand at the bottom of the screen. If you're calling or using a mobile, a mobile app, you can raise your hand by tapping raise hand um, option on, more, on the more tab. If you are calling in to raise your hand, please dial star nine then unmute or mute by dialing star six. Speakers will be called on the by the last four digits of their phone number. Just wanna remind everybody about the quick change we have on the minutes and allowing public, the public to have a greater participation. We are extending the amount of time that is given. Uh, for matters listed on the agenda, we are extending that from two to three minutes. And for items that are not on the agenda, we are providing the public an additional five minutes. The other thing we just, for everybody on, we're also changing the agenda order. We're gonna make sure that uh, matters not on the agenda are moved to earlier in the agenda before the discussion calendar. So just bear with us. That's gonna be kind of moving forward how we're gonna be running the meetings. So with that, let's go ahead and do the land acknowledgement and the Pledge of Allegiance. Please rise for the opening acknowledgement in honor of Sacramento's indigenous people and tribal lands. To the original people of this land, the Nisan people, the Southern Maidu, the Valley and Plain Miquoc, the Patent Winton peoples, and peoples of the Wilton Rancheria, Sacramento's only federal recognized tribe, may we acknowledge and honor the native people who came before us and still walk beside us today. 
on these ancestral lands by choosing to gather together today an active practice of acknowledgement and appreciation for Sacramento's indigenous people's histories, contributions, and lives. Thank you. Please remain standing for the Pledge of Allegiance. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the Republic for which it stands, one nation under God, indivisible with liberty and justice for all. Thank you. So with that, we are gonna begin with our updates. Um, so just a quick, a quick update for everyone here. So a couple of items that are coming up for us, um, and I know we're gonna have a presentation by the clerk's office later to talk about kind of how we're gonna be proceeding for next year in terms of the standing committees. And one of the things that we, I had a conversation with the mayor, he asked that if we're gonna request standing committees, and those are gonna be more formalized bodies where we're gonna have agendas, we're gonna be staffed by the clerk's office. So those are gonna be more standardized that we put in our request that we basically have one letter with all of the requests. So we just wanna ask, one of the things that we're gonna put on next year, next month's agenda is an item that we're gonna be able to discuss which committees we, we as a commission wanna do. And so a couple of items that are already coming up. The first one is the military use um, equipment policy. We wanna to continue to work on that. As you all know, state law requires that annual updates be done by the PD. We've been talking also about additional participation that the commission working with the PD will kind of create a public forum. So we are working on that right now. We think it's imprudent to ensure that we're having that type of work be done through a standing committee. So one of the things that we ask that you do, if you're interested in working on a certain policy, please send a quick paragraph to Mary. So that way we can kind of vote on which standing committees we wanna move forward in a formalized letter. The other item that, we, so that we're working on right now is um, that, and then we're also gonna do a quick update on the small working groups. And just so in preparation for the next um, agenda, because we have to have that done soon, please submit it a week from today. So by next Monday, please have kind of a written paragraph so that we can actually itemize that and, and vote on that issue next month. I'm looking at Kian, Kian, uh, Commissioner Bliss, am I forgetting anything there? Uh, I appreciate you. Uh... Uh, reminding everybody about uh, the change in ordinance. We're supposed, I know it's on the agenda tonight as well. So uh, those of you that have any questions can direct them to the city clerk's office of how this new ordinance is gonna work. Um, besides the military equipment use standing commission, one of the uh, subcommittee proposals that uh, I'm gonna be requesting is a budget transparency uh, subcommittee uh, to help gather uh, more information to understand uh, the budgeting process and current spending by the police department. Um, as well as uh, the as well as other things, but um, uh, there are a couple of, re uh, of re ideas too. I think uh, that we'll be talking more about. But really, want to encourage you all if there's anything that uh, in addition that you want to do, and or if you want to consult with um, uh, with us to see, you know, if we can, if any of these roles can be combined, please feel free to share them with uh, uh, Chair uh, Castillo Crings or my, myself. So that is the quick update. The next issue on the agenda is the public safety accountability staff update. Is there an update? Good evening, Chair. I just wanted to, um, I know you and uh, our vice chair 
is aware of our new employee in the Office of Public Safety Accountability who will be taking over for Mary Oppler, and it's Michelle Valeros. And I just wanted the other commissioners to know that OPSA was able to um, replace uh, one of our staff members that went off to uh, the city of Berkeley uh, to work for them. And so the few positions that we do have, um, we have uh, filled those. And so at this point, all positions are filled. So I just wanted to make sure all the commissioners knew that we had another uh, individual and she should be on here as well. And I know that the chair and vice chair have been meeting with her in regards to, to the agenda. Great, and thank you so much. I look forward to working with Michelle closely. I gotta say, it has been wonderful working with Mary. Really appreciate all of her work and uh, the constant emails that the vice chair and I were submitting to her. So thank you so much, Mary. We hope to work with you in other capacities and welcome to the team, Michelle. Mm -hmm. yep, yep. I wanna say welcome as well, Michelle, and thank you so much, Mary, uh, for your, uh, your guidance and uh, support with us. The Commissioner Carter. Yes, well, Dr. Watson, can you give me an update or who, uh, who is currently on staff? Is Daewoo still there? No, ma'am. He took an opportunity for the city of Berkeley and Michelle Valeros took his spot. So he's gone to uh, the city of Berkeley and uh, we had, it took us a while, but we finally um, got Michelle um, here. And then Let's see if Michelle can say hello so you'll actually um, know what, what she looks like because I know you know what Mary looks like. Mary is still here, um, but what I am trying to do is transition some of the duties so that we can start. Director Watson, your audio is, is not working. 80% for 2022. Michelle, you're, uh, it's not coming up. There you are. I see. I'm here. Hold on. Oh, let me do this. Am I there? Hello, everyone. Sorry. Hello, everyone. Nice to meet everyone. Look forward to working with you as well. I have big shoes to fill. <laughs> Thank you for the introduction. Welcome on board, Michelle. Thank you. Great. Thank you so much. Um, our next item is Sacramento Police Department staff update. Is there an update? Hi, good evening, Chair and Vice Chair. Um, just real briefly, just share with the rest of the uh, commission members that I forwarded uh, emails to you regarding General Order 580.15 SWAT, General Order 580.16 SWAT, diversionary devices and general order 42001 use of police vehicles. These were updated. They're on the transparency website. I sent you copies and basically they are, you know, they were just updated and um, uh, reviewed and there were fewer redactions um, in these uh, in these general order policies and you know, that that's all the updates that I have. Thank you so much. We did receive the emails and we'll make sure that the rest of the commission also has them as well. Great. Um, our, next, our next item is the consent calendar. Madam Clerk, are there any members of the public who wish to speak on the consent calendar? Thank you, Chair. I do not have any hands raised for the consent calendar. Thank you. Thank you. 
any commissioners who wish to speak on this item? Is there a motion? Oh, Commissioner Bliss. Just want to confirm uh, if everybody is able to see these as the last two months worth of meeting minutes. I believe we were, uh, they were not pu uh, properly published the last uh, few meetings. I'm, I'm seeing them up to August and September um, and see May now. So just want to make sure everybody else has had a chance to see and review them. I see them as well. Any any questions on this issue? I see, I think it was um, Commissioner Guerrero and then Commissioner Carter. Thank you, Chair. I Looking at the, um, the open items, uh, there seems to be a lot of open items and I'm just wondering is there anything that um, we're gonna, for example, put on the next on the next agenda, or um, yeah, maybe a, a, are there any of these items that are open that we will soon be able to dispense with, either getting a presentation or putting something on the agenda? Just wanted to check on that. So for example, what training classes SAC PD officers receive internally, which are required? How many hours are, um, are the trainings? How many officers attend the trainings? That says in progress open. Uh, request to have the commission meeting minutes consolidated into one web page. It's open. Are there any updates um, on any of these? I see, of course, pending actions, but there's quite a few items that are open. And I would imagine. Let us that work what, yeah. Go ahead. Why don't we do this? Why don't we actually work with um, Michelle with OPSA staff and try to have a better consolidated list of what actions need to happen and have a have an update for next the next meeting. Sure, and I just would suggest. I mean, there is a disposition which I'm assuming is similar to what's the status, and so it would be nice to fill in some kind of update on where those things are in the process. Thank you, Madam Chair. Duly noted. Thank you for bringing that up. Um, I'm making a quick note. Okay. Any other questions? I see uh, Commissioner Carter and then Commissioner Bliss. Yes, I had a question regarding voting on the minutes. Are we gonna vote for each individual uh, month of the minutes. We got May 9th, August 8th, and September 12th, or did you plan to do it collectively? I believe, and this is gonna be a question for the clerk's office. Um, I believe we have to do it by month, or do, can we do it collectively? No, I prefer by month, because I wasn't here mm -hmm. for one of those months, so I have to I think for one of them. Hi, so, that's right, that's right. I, yes. Chair, this is Alexis, the clerk. Um, the vote would be for all minutes included unless you wanted to amend a certain set, but the vote would be the entire set of minutes for May 9th, August 8th, and September 12th, to clarify. Can we go ahead? Actually, I would prefer to have it done by month because especially for some of the commissioners that were not present for that month, they cannot vote on those minutes. I do defer to the CAO, but they can still vote 
as long as they have reviewed the minutes and um, pretty much reviewed that meeting, they can still take a vote if they would like. No, but the question is, when you say vote, and what, if I say yay, am I saying yay to all three months? Or are you going to go May 9th, and then I get to say abstain, and then you can move on? This is Audrey speaking. I recommend that you do it by month. Thank you, Audrey. So, Madam Clerk, can we go ahead and do it by month, please? So, to do that... Um, Sorry, Chair, this is Audrey, Audrey I'll jump in. You, you would just need um, uh, a new motion, basically. A substitute motion. Mm -hmm. And so I would need one of the commissioners. Can I make the motion, the substitute motion? Yeah, one of the commissioners can make the substitute motion. Okay, great. So anybody willing to do a substitute motion so we can go month by month? Okay, there's three hands up. Commission Perfect. Thank you. Commissioner Carter, does that address your question? Yes. Thank you. Commissioner Bliss. <clears throat> yeah, I uh, wanted to, uh, Mario uh, brought up the log and uh, raised to mind to a couple of things that I had requested, which was um, a presentation around the uh, truth reform and reconciliation project um, wanted to get an update to see uh, from Dr. Watson if you um, uh, Director Watson if you were uh, if that what, what the status was on that and if there would be a there could be a presentation here in the coming months and then also um, noticing that there were um, additional requests that I had made including on the um, hiring practices for um, the city council when it comes to uh, the police chief from the um, city uh, from the city manager's office and then also um, SPD presentation on hiring uh, on their personal hiring practices that I wanted to get an update on. Commissioner Bliss, as far as your uh, request for truth, reform and reconciliation, I hope that uh, mayor and council will make a decision uh, for that initiative by the end of this month. But we have three um, closed sessions scheduled um, in reference to um, my evaluation and, and uh, direction as far as that initiative as well. So I hope to uh, have something for you uh, once you meet again uh, next month. Appreciate that update. No problem. I, I think you also asked about SPD presentation on hiring practices. I don't have a timeline on that. And perhaps um, is there is there something that's a it's a broad topic. Is it just an overall overview of SPD hiring practices? Or was there something more specific that, that you wanted? Yes, I wanted a, a presentation uh on how on the hiring process, the overall hiring process as it as as is performed by the Sacramento Police Department, and then I also had requested, uh, which is not listed on here, a presentation from the city manager's office about a, on the hiring process for the police chief as well. Okay, so but that's not reflected in the log, which it should be. I made that request, um, uh, I believe, at the end of last year and the beginning of this year.
Yeah, so I don't have a timeline for either one of those, but I understand that that can get added to the list and um, we'll, we'll get some more information to you on that. Appreciate that. Thank you. All right, um, I will uh, pull consent calendar item number one for a separate for a separate vote and I'll move the consent calendar as it is. So one second, I think we actually have a substitute motion because the consent calendar includes all of the different months, right? And we're gonna to try to do that a little differently. Yes, I pulled it. I pulled item number one for a separate Thank you. vote. And then we'll just vote on the consent calendar item number two, pass that, and then we'll do a separate vote for the minutes. Okay, before we do that, Commissioner Guerrero. I don't know if it needs a second, but if it does, I would second. Perfect. Let's go ahead and vote on the consent calendar, pulling out number one. Madam Clerk, can you please call the roll? Hi, Chair. Just to clarify, so we are voting on item number one, correct? I know, uh, two. Thank you. Correct. Just to clarify, thank you. Commissioner Guerrero? Aye. Thank you. Commissioner Carter? Aye. Thank you. Commissioner Elcara, I'm sorry. Aye. Thank you. Commissioner Falcon is absent tonight. Commissioner Jefferson is absent. Commissioner Marion? Commissioner Marion, it looks like you're on the call. We're currently voting on the consent calendar for item number two. I have connection issues. I'm sorry. Okay, I will come back to you. Aye. Thank you so much. Commissioner Rose Hamer? Aye. Thank you. Commissioner Espinosa Salazar? Aye. Thank you. Commissioner Williamson? Aye. Thank you. Vice Chair Bliss? Yes. Thank you. Chair Castillo Krings? Yes. Thank you. Motion passes for item number two. All right. I'd like to make a motion um, to adopt uh, meeting minutes for May 9th, 2022. Second. Madam Clerk, can we go ahead and bring that up for a vote? Yes, Chair. Commissioner Guerrero? Aye. Thank you. Commissioner Carter? Abstain. Thank you. Commissioner Elcara? Aye. Thank you. Commissioner Falcon is absent. Commissioner Jefferson is also absent. Commissioner Marion? Aye. Thank you. Commissioner Rose Hamer? Abstain. Thank you. Commissioner Espinosa Salazar? Abstain. Commissioner Williamson? I will come back to Commissioner Williamson. Vice Chair Bliss? Yes. Vice Chair, or excuse me, I'm sorry, Chair Castillo-Krings? Yes. Thank you. And going back to Commissioner Williamson. 
Aye. Thank you. Motion passes. All right. I'd like to move um, meeting minutes from August 8th, 2022. Second. Second. Madam Clerk, can you please call the roll? Thank you, Chair. Just to clarify, was that Bliss for the second? That was, that was Commissioner Okara. Oh, no, that was myself. I, I apologize. I'm sorry. Thank you. Apparently, okay. I need coffee. No problem. Thank you. Commissioner Guerrero? Aye. Thank you. Commissioner Carter? Aye. Thank you. Commissioner Elcara? Aye. Thank you. And uh, just a correction, it's uh, Falcone. For the, for Falcone. Thank you so much. Commissioner Falcone is absent tonight. Commissioner Jefferson is also absent. Commissioner Marion? Aye. Thank you. Commissioner Rosehamer? Abstain. Thank you. Commissioner Espinoza Salazar? Aye. Thank you. Commissioner Williamson? Aye. Thank you. Vice Chair Bliss? Yes. Thank you. Chair Castillo-Krings? Aye. Thank you. Motion passes. All right. I'd like to move uh, meeting minutes from September 12th, 2022. Seconded. Great. Madam Clerk, can you please call the roll? Thank you, Chair. Commissioner Guerrero? Abstain. Thank you. Commissioner Carter? Aye. Thank you. Commissioner Elkara? Aye. Thank you. Commissioner Falcone is absent. Commissioner Jefferson is also absent tonight. Commissioner Marion? Aye. Thank you. Commissioner Rosehamer? Aye. Thank you. Commissioner Espinoza Salazar? Abstain. Thank you. Commissioner Williamson? Aye. Vice Chair Bliss? Yes. Chair Castillo-Krings? Yes. Thank you, motion passes. Great, thank you. Okay, uh, we are going a little out of order from what's in the printed agenda, but the next item I'd like to bring up is uh, public comment and matters not on the agenda. Madam Clerk, are there any members of the public who wish to speak on public comment? Matters not on the agenda. And just as a reminder, uh, there will be five minutes allotted to any public speaker. Yes, sure. Thank you. I do have one speaker with their hand raised. Barry Boyd. Good Thank afternoon, you. Mr. Boyd. Good afternoon to you all. Um, just making sure everyone can hear me. We can. Fantastic. Um, once again, you caught me uh, not ready moving the uh, agenda item, but uh, it'll be short and brief. I hope the discussion that's coming before this uh, body will go in depth on trying to figure out a way that how we as both uh, board members and commission members volunteer, uh, volunteer uh, network of sitting on these boards and commissions will find a way to continue to do the work that we've all done in regards to fighting, fighting for equitable equality. So we all have what everybody else has. Um, the prohibiting of 
ad hoc to which um, uh, most of the work was done or a lot more work was done, could be done and was done being outside of a uh, board or commission meeting. Um, again, uh, I hope the conversation that's going to happen this evening, uh, folks find a, a remedy that we could all use. And I'll conclude with, uh, this is an invitation for all of you, if you would like to be involved in one of the South Sacramento neighborhoods, the Metaview Neighborhood Association is having its monthly meeting October 19th, next Wednesday at 6.30, Sacramento Police Department, Code Enforcement, and the Sacramento Environmental Justice have confirmed in, uh, in addition to Council Member Biden's office. Thank you. Mr. Boyd, can you repeat the time and where it will happen? October 19th at what time? I'm sorry, the um, uh, 6.30 p.m. next Wednesday, October 19th, 6.30 is the start time. And the location? It's virtual, so everyone can go to sacramentomna.org and you will um, uh, register for the meeting and be sent the invitation to with the uh, Zoom link, if we're not putting that in there the first time. <laughs> Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you for your comments, Mr. Boyd. Chair, that is all the public comments I have for matters not on the agenda. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Madam Clerk. Our next item is gonna be, uh, now we're starting our discussion calendar. Our next, our next item is item three, the update on chapter 2.40 of the Sacramento City Code relating to courts and commissions. Is staff ready for presentation? Yes, Chair, staff is ready. So good evening, I'm Mindy Cuppy, your city clerk. And for background, last June, the mayor asked that the PNPE committee, that's Personnel and Public Employees Committee, establish oversight, facilitation, and staffing responsibility for city commissions. So over the past few months, we've put some structural updates in place and continue to move forward with steps to uplift commissions' voices. The first is the foundational municipal code that governs boards and commissions in general. And I think it's important that you understand the underlying code that governs your advisory body, so we'll take you through it at a very high level to brief you on the code. So on August 30th, the City Council approved an updated City Code Chapter 2.40, which is boards and commissions generally, the foundational law governing city boards, commissions, and committee who are appointed by the Mayor or City Council. So this code states that it is the intent of the city council in enacting this chapter to assure that appointees for seats on boards and commissions possess those high ethical standards required of them to properly fulfill their functions, to disclose any conflicts of interest that would render applicants and appointees ineffective in their performance of their duties or would jeopardize the interests of the city, to protect applicants and appointees against untrue allegations with respect to their background and integrity, and to establish a uniform administrative framework for all city boards and commissions. So as you know, um, commissioners are appointed from within the community and expected to represent the city as a whole while promoting community and stakeholder input and taking into account all viewpoints. Serving as a commissioner provides a way for residents who have special experience or interest to participate in the city's decision-making process by advising city staff and the city council on numerous issues. The specific role of most commissions is to review and make recommendations to the city council on matters within its scope of authority and responsibility, and this is most commonly achieved by the commission at publicly noticed meetings, serving as a venue for public input and participation. 
So as we continue to uplift commissions to the same expectations, standards, and processes as the City Council, I'm excited to be creating what we, I believe will be a model commissions program that other cities will emulate. We will be a model of transparency and inclusiveness. Our commissions will be a, a, inclusive with a diversity of voices, be transparent. All activities will be open to the public. We'll encourage public participation, follow consistent standards such as the Sacramento Sunshine Ordinance and Brown Act. We'll have clear legislative history of the important work that you do and have a clear and consistent process for the commissions to communicate with and advise the council. So I'm gonna step through the provisions of the code at a very high level. This is no replacement for reading the code, which is part of your staff report. So appointment procedures, you've all been through this, so uh, I'm not gonna spend a lot of time, but applicants must submit an application. And then persons are either recommended for appointment by PNPE, the mayor or a council member, and then concurrence of any um, commissioner is by a vote of the entire council. And then vacancies are gonna be filled the same appointment process. Okay, failure to attend meetings. I always think it's silly that I say this, but we do need you to attend meetings and participate so that we, we cannot conduct a meeting without a quorum. Um, fail to, failure to attend a meeting without a minimum of four hours advance notice to the city clerk is an unexcused absence, and three consecutive absences uh, are deemed good cause for removal from office. So terms, the term of each member is a period of four years. There are a few ex um, exceptions. For instance, the Youth Commission has two-year terms. Um, and then there's a limitation on two consecutive terms, and that's consistent with your existing code. So removal of members. Um, each member shall comply with the laws um, or requirements related to the member's office, um, and that's including but not limited to um, a, um, affirming the oath of office, filing a statement of economic interest, and completing trainings in general ethics um, and sexual harassment. And again, failure of any member to comply is deemed good cause for removal from office. So meetings generally, each regular meeting of a city board or commission shall be noticed, shall be conducted in accordance with the council rules or procedure. If a quorum is not established within 15 minutes of the meeting's notice start time, a meeting will be canceled. And then of course, if there's business to do, we can um, call special meetings as needed to conduct business. So ad hoc committees and subcommittees. So city boards and commissions may not establish ad hoc committees. However, they can establish subcommittees upon approval by the full city council. So chairperson, so each city, as you know, um, each commission elects a chair and vice chair each calendar year. Uh, and then the chairperson um, will be the presiding over, over, over meetings. Vice chair um, will act in that capacity um, if the chairperson is absent. Um, and a chairperson or vice chairperson cannot um, serve more than two calendar years. And they give this code reiterates that the city clerk shall act as your secretary, the city attorney shall be your legal counsel, and every five years the city clerk will report on the status of board of commissions to the full city council. So in summary, um, we've done a lot of work to uplift commission's voices, however, I believe there's still much to do. Over the past year, we've assured that all commissions follow the same high standards as the city council for agendas, meeting facilitation, legislative history. So city council, um, commissions mirror the city council standards and process. We've created a recruitment video, a commissioner handbook, commissioner orientation and onboarding process, and a meeting facilitation guide for chairpersons. However, there's still much to do in order to continue to uplift commission voices and ensure inclusivity. So we will be bringing an update of the council rules of procedure to the city council this fall, which among other things, it will address a standard and consistent process for commissions to report to the council, including accomplishments, recommendations, and upcoming year objectives. We're developing ongoing training for commissions and department staff, 
and we want to expand recruitment for all commissions with a focus on diversity and inclusion. So the next ongoing training we'll be providing um, is a Up Brown Act training, which I expect to do in spring of next year. So I'd like to show you a brief video highlighting our commissions program, and then I will be available for questions regarding the Sacramento City Code Chapter 2.40, Boards and Commissions Generally. Serving as a council appointee to a City of Sacramento Commission is both an awesome opportunity and a significant commitment. The following information will give new appointees and potential applicants an overview of the position's roles and responsibilities. The City of Sacramento utilizes more than 25 commissions to promote community and stakeholder input. Most serve in an advisory capacity to the City Council. However, a few are quasi-judicial, complaint reviews, or appeals boards. Serving as a council appointee provides a way for residents who have special experience or interests to participate in the city's decision-making process by advising city staff and the city council on a wide variety of issues. As an appointee, you interact creatively as a link between the city council and citizens of all ages, interests, and backgrounds. You represent the city as a whole and will help facilitate active and inclusive input, ensuring that all voices are incorporated into any recommendation made to the city council. To effectively participate, appointees often have lengthy reports to review in order to prepare effectively for public meetings. Attendance at meetings is essential. The Ralph M. Brown Act, California's Open Meeting Law, and the City of Sacramento's Sunshine Ordinance have requirements to ensure that all city councils, boards, commissions, and committees are inclusive, transparent, and encourage public participation. Agendas must be posted to clearly communicate what the commission will be discussing and how the public can be part of that conversation. The order and conduct of business of council-established commissions are also governed by the City of Sacramento Council Rules of Procedure. It is critical that appointees only discuss items under their purview at an open and public meeting and avoid discussions outside the public forum. A meeting could be any gathering of a majority of appointees to discuss items under their jurisdiction, and discussions in non-public formats, such as email, phone, or text message, must be avoided. To ensure transparency and a high level of service, appointees have educational requirements such as ethics and sexual harassment training. Appointees may also have reporting requirements such as filing of a statement of economic interests, FPPC Form 700, upon appointment, annually, and when leaving. We appreciate your interest in the City of Sacramento Board, Commission, and Committee Program, an opportunity for citizens to ensure transparent, open, and inclusive participation in the City's decision-making process. Please visit our website for appointee resources and information on applying to serve. Commissions.CityOfSacramento.org Clerk at CityOfSacramento.org 916-808-7200. Chair, that concludes my presentation and I'm available for any questions. Great, thank you so much. Any questions from the commission? Commissioner Guerrero. 
Clerk Cuffey, thank you for the presentation. I have a question and then followed by a statement. A uh, question, um, did I hear you correctly that the um, PNP committee will be focusing, one of the things that the PNP committee will be focusing on next is the process by which the city council takes up uh, recommendations from the various boards and commissions? That's correct. That's part of the council rules of procedure update. So the council has not weighed in on that yet, but that is being proposed. Thank you very much. Um, my statement that I'm going to make is uh, I'm really disappointed with the um, uh, policy that has been put in place. Um, I think that the priority from the conversation and the recommendations of the commission was a process by which the council would take up the many recommendations of the commission. So I'm really disappointed that instead of uh, prioritizing that process, we have this policy that's um, addressing issues that from my perspective, at least with, in regards to this commission are non-issues. I don't recall anyone making any um, kind of um, sh sharing any concerns with regards to our transparency and inclusivity, if anything. We actually added many um, activities to purposely go out and reach out to communities. Uh, could things be improved? Absolutely. Um, and I just have to say, I think over time, the public has shown less and less interest because they feel that this commission doesn't have the respect or authority. Um, well, authority is not the right word, but the respect and being taken seriously as it should. Um, and so I'm really disappointed with the policy. We will, of course, uh, work with what we have, but I um, couldn't in good conscience move on with the meeting without sharing that perspective. So thank you very much. Thank you, Commissioner Guerrero. Commissioner Bliss. Commissioner Guerrero uh, uh, expresses the sentiments I share. I share his, uh, his frustrations. And honestly, I mean, I believe this, this ordinance in particular was directly targeted uh, at this commission because of the prolific work that we've been able to do, producing over 110 recommendations to the city council, which uh, all, like all but one of them has actually seen a formal discussion and a vote on. And really, I mean, the ad hoc ordinance didn't even make any sense when it was being discussed from the dais. But because a slim majority of city council wanted to see it, wanted to see it done and didn't, and I believe simply wanted to slow our work down, we have this ordinance now, so we're going to work within that. And honestly, though, I just want to name that um, nothing like with it, like despite the claims of this ordinance being about creating more transparency and accountability for our respective city boards and commissions, I'm actually concerned that it's going to create far less. Because as it exists right now with these working groups, we are basically allowed to uh, we're no longer required to establish working groups in public meetings. So we could invite any members of the public really to participate and would no longer really need to report any updates on the work that we're doing or discussions that we have at these meetings. And by this understanding, a working group can essentially just meet without notice, less than a quorum before any public meeting, and without any requirement to disclose our discussion during public meetings. So my concern is that not only does this action increase the likelihood of Brown Act violations by eliminating the formal mechanisms of ad hocs, which everybody that's served in this commission for more than a year knows, and the city clerks almost certainly knows, we have routine, like we have agendized updates for our ad hoc work on every single meeting. 
and we always make like we always set our ad hoc committees and our, and decide our mem and uh, volunteer as members at the beginning of each year so that it is publicly transparent for community members to know who's participating. I'm concerned that this will actually increase the likelihood of Brown Act violations uh, by eliminating those formal mechanisms, um, as well as uh, not only create less transparency, but also these conditions would actually be unethical violations of basic principles of participatory democracy and could actually damage the trust between our commissions, particularly ours that is specifically tasked with providing community participation and the community members that we are appointed to serve. So definitely want to echo uh, that I'm deeply frustrated and um, disappointed with this uh, direction, but honestly, I don't think, I think we can do much better than what the city council is, is uh, telling us to do. And we will continue to be more, uh, uh, be a model of transparency. Thank you, Commissioner Bliss. Commissioner Carter. Yes, I would like to know from the um, PPE perspective, what is the definition of ad hoc committee? And what is the definition of the subcommittee? And based on those two definitions, what exactly is the difference? We can't have an ad hoc, but we can have a subcommittee. Thank you, Commissioner Carter. So an ad hoc committee is a committee of limited duration and scope. Um, a subcommittee um, would be something that the PNPE approved, would be a Brown Act body, so you would need to meet in open and public, have agendas, minutes, and video streaming. And we do plan on, as I mentioned in the presentation, the city attorney's office and I are working on a Brown Act presentation to give you a broad overview of the Ralph M. Brown Act and how you can conduct yourselves. Okay, but with this subcommittee, are you saying we could meet other than at a meeting and discuss things or everything has to be discussed at the meeting with a quorum? A subcommittee could be le less than a quorum of this commission, but it would need to meet um, and follow the Sacramento Sunshine Ordinance and the Ralph M. Brown Act. Okay, I'm missing. Okay, you said that the ad hoc is limited duration and scope. I got that. But other than that, I don't quite understand the real distinction as to the subcommittee and what exactly is going to be the difference. So the main you want us to talk about, I guess we're talking about everything at the meeting. I don't I don't understand the real change. Why, why we can't do an ad hoc, but we can do a subcommittee. Yes, thank you for that question. So an ad hoc committee um, does not have to have an agenda, does not have to include members of the public, um, does not have to be video streamed, but a subcommittee would have to do those things and follow the Sacramento Sunshine Ordinance and the Brown Act. Okay, so the subcommittee being video streamed, um, what exactly does that mean? Does that mean some kind of Zoom or that mean that we can only do it during these commission meetings because you air this out to the public? You would either have to do it during one of these commission meetings or we'd have to schedule another time um, similar to this forum. Okay, so 
if it's got to be streamed, then in essence, we cannot, everything has to be done at the commission meeting if it has to be streamed. That, that's, that's the bottom line, right? Yeah, yes, everything would need to be done at an open and public meeting. Can I get clarification on that really quickly? I know we have other commissioners, but I just want to make sure that it's clear. My understanding when this issue came up in city council was that actually we are not precluded from having small working groups as long as those are not established from the dais and that neither the chair or the vice chair actually coordinate them. That nothing precludes commissioners on their own to actually take up any item that they want to discuss, do research and move forward and organize themselves, call those meetings forward. So that is my understanding. Nothing precludes us from having those completely compliant Brown Act bodies as long as those are not coordinated from the dais. Can I please get clarification on that? I'll ask our city attorney to weigh in, but that's my understanding that you can have a working group of less than a quorum to meet outside the public forum. So just to kind of clarify, the way I understand it is that yes, if we want to have a standing committee that is sanctioned by the city council, it has to be approved by PPNE, and that, that way we can actually have a formal body meeting, have agendas prepared by city clerk, have it completely staffed, but nothing precludes the commission and independent commissioners from organizing themselves and still continuing to do the work that the ad hocs were doing as long as we are not coordinating that from the dais. Okay, but now I'm confused because the clerk just said that it had to be streamed and it had to be streamed at this commission meeting or they got to set up another meeting to stream it. So, and uh, Commissioner Carter, can I, can I, oh, sorry, oh, can yes, I jump please. in? Is that okay? Okay. Um, uh, the chair did accurately describe, so there, there's a difference. What, what it's called in the new ordinance is a subcommittee, but it really is a standing committee. It functions like a standing committee. Um, and that, that's essentially the difference. You can do your working groups as long as it's less than a quorum. And as mentioned, it is not established from the dais. But if you want to have a long-standing committee that's not termed as far as time, um, you'll, you'll have to create subcommittees. And that goes through the formal process. Does that clarify for you? Yes. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you so much, uh, Adriel. I, I think it was Commissioner uh, Bliss, then Commissioner Salazar, followed by Commissioner Guerrero. Uh, Commissioner Salazar and Commissioner Williamson can go ahead of me. Thank you, Commissioner Bliss. Commissioner Salazar. Hi, um, I guess I'm just a little bit confused on how this is gonna affect our schedules because if we're expected to do what we're doing in our ad hocs during these meetings now, um, would that make our meetings longer or would that affect if we had more uh, meetings more often or anything like that? Because I know a lot of um, the commissioners here, they have work or they have uh, to go to school or anything. So I think it's just a little bit um, disruptive towards our schedules for this to be um, happening to us. And I just wanted to clarify a little bit more on the schedules and how that would work. I think the city clerk did, sorry, is it okay if I jump in, um, Mindy? I don't want to step on your toes. Absolutely. Okay. So as the city clerk mentioned, um, the subcommittee, if you choose to, uh, to choose that path, you can meet during your meetings, but you don't have to. You can create a time that works 
for your schedules if you're part of that subcommittee and council does allow you to create this subcommittee. However, you can also work as mentioned in working groups, which are not created from the dais, less than a quorum for limited purposes. The working groups don't have any authority. It's just getting together to talk about issues that you want to discuss and then you bring it to the commission. If if that's like, it, it's almost like you're acting like an individual councilman, council, excuse me, commissioner and bring in an item for discussion um, once you guys kind of vet the topics and do the research on the matter. I hope I did not confuse you more. <laughs> but um, was, okay. okay, so then the only real difference is, is that um, we're changing the names and then the number of people who can attend. So if I may, um, we, so Audriel, if I may, we are working on a, a PowerPoint presentation that the city attorney's office and I will be presenting to your commission probably in January that will clarify all the different terms that we're using, ad hoc subcommittees, working groups, um, and really explain um, how you can participate in those. These would be optional. So your service as a commissioner, you're not required to serve on an ad hoc, a subcommittee, a working group, anything outside of this public meeting. Okay, thank you. Thank you, Commissioner Salasat. Commissioner Williamson. Uh, thank you, Madam Chairman. So tell me if this is uh, not on topic or not here. Um, so if, if we wanted, and I say we as an individual or a group or the whole commission, wanted to sponsor a public forum streaming on social media advertised to the wider community, and then we had an earlier uh, a public uh, member mentioned an Oak Park community meeting, which sounded very intriguing. Um, but just to elicit comments from the community on a particular topic or topics, uh, could, 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 for example, a single commissioner sponsor something like that, pay for the streaming, pay for the advertising, and simply as an individual say, they want to elicit uh, a public comment. Can that be done without violating uh, any uh, city council commission or Brown Act requirements? Um, that's accurate. You could do something like that as long as not a, a, a quorum of your commission was in attendance. Okay, so, so if they were interested, I have to make certain that a majority were not present. That's correct. Okay, thank you. Commissioner Guerrero, then followed by Commissioner Bliss. Thank you for the discussion. It's bringing up additional questions. So I have a, a question, possibly a comment, depending on the answer. This is to City Clerk Cuppy. So, um, so we could, so we could um, continue to meet. Just oh, okay. This was the question. So a subgroup can meet, a working group can meet as long as it doesn't go over a quorum, but we can't like, for example, agendize a working group update. Is that correct? That's correct. So um, thank you for that answer. I will just say that um, I, I will double down on what I said earlier and say this is extremely unfortunate. Basically, we can continue to have our working groups. We just won't notice them, them to the public. And you know the th the reason why this whole scheme doesn't do uh, service and justice to the public is because 
we don't have staff. The commission doesn't have staff to do research, to um, you know write papers for us, to give us advice. We're a group of volunteers that do the research on our own. And we, when we do that research in the current uh, subcommittees and we're able to agendize, we're able to share that with the public in a very structured format so that the public can engage. Uh, and we go beyond that because we actually invite public members to participate in our working groups um, and our, sub, uh, our, I'm sorry, our ad hocs. So it's really, really unfortunate that this change has been made. Um, I think that the goals of the change are good, but I think they do the opposite and it's really unfortunate. Um, thank you, Madam Chair, for the opportunity to share that perspective. Thank you, Commissioner Guerrero. Commissioner Bliss. Commissioner Guerrero named exactly what I was about to point out. I mean, we like we had a process that worked before. We at no point have we ever, as a uh, as an advisory body, had any kind of staff support. And by the understanding of like you know whether we create these working groups or these subcommittees, we're not going to get any additional staff support. We're simply going to have longer public meetings, which we only meet 10 times in a year at max, which is set by the city council, not by us anymore. And these meetings, like such meetings, depending on how much work needs to be done, could take hours longer out of our day. And we also, I would like some clarification on this. If we create multiple subcommittees and standing committees, we actually would have to create, like schedule those consecutively during public meetings or have special meetings in between our regular scheduled meetings. Is that correct? Um, can you articulate your question? Yes. Do we need, like, when we have uh, multiple subcommittees, say we at, we request and are approved for to have three subcommittees, do those three subcommittees have to meet consecutively during the same meeting, or like, or, or do those sub do they have to meet during the same meeting? Or will they have to schedule uh, special meetings? Or can we do both? No, that would likely be, um, they would have a set meeting schedule just like this commission would. So if a subcommittee had a specific purpose um, and they needed to meet you know, quarterly, once a month, we would find a meeting time that they could meet and they would not be concurrently with each other, I would assume. And those would have to be staffed. So the city, like, so your office would have to uh, uh, facilitate these meetings just like we're doing tonight. That's correct. Gotcha. And given that this is approved by the per, uh, Personnel and Public Employees Committee, which is going to now consider having to consider how much staff can allocate because staff is technically full time service to the city council, not the city's advisory bodies. We may not get those subcommittees approved if we have, say, even three or two and a standing committee on top of that. I'm a, it's I, I, I just am beside myself with just how ludicrous it sounds. And just like, it doesn't make any sense. It seems like one city staff are actually going to have to work even longer hours to try and facilitate all of these subcommittee meetings uh, go, like going forward for all of the respective commissions and boards. And I'm of the mind that we're probably at best going to get one approved, but we need to act like, but we need to do our work. And the only way that we can, like, if we don't do that, then we have to meet as working or as these working groups, not agendizing our items, not really providing any kind of transparency or updates, which is why I 
again, is this conversation just reaffirms that this is actually going to create less transparency in our respective bodies without really giving us any additional support, which is the things that we've needed. And it's not, and we still don't have a process, which we've been asking about uh, for how our recommendations are even going to be approved. And we're still waiting on that. That was supposed to be the point. And there have been months to do that with, and we're still, and this is what we got. And I'm really concerned that this is actually going to discourage not only commissioners here from really wanting to continue on with their service, but also discourage people from even wanting to apply in the first place, knowing that they're going to have to dedicate so much of their, so much more of their time to public meetings when we could just schedule things around our schedule, given that we are not paid employees, we do not make, uh, uh, we are not paid to really be at these meetings. We are, like, we are volunteers providing a public service based on our appointments. So just want to reiterate that and um, say, I'm prepared to be even more transparent and do the work. I'll, I'll sit here for hours, but I can't say the same for my colleagues and uh, for future commissioners that come on this. City Clerk Cuffey, I think you can understand how frustrated we as a commission are, and especially as uh, Commissioner Guerrero said, we're volunteers. And unfortunately, you're the messenger. And, and a lot of our, our frustration is being targeted at you. So I apologize about that. Um, I am I am concerned because what I heard you say is that the commission or council will be considering or is being proposed. I just want to get a clarification as to what you were referring to when it comes to a procedure or a process that can be established for commissions to follow when recommendations are provided to council. Um, can you give me a little more clarification on that? Yeah, I believe you're referring to the council rules of procedure. So typically mm -hmm. we bring the council rules of procedure back on an annual basis for um, some updates. One of the big updates this time is to really clarify how boards and commissions and committees report to the city council. So it's outlined in that council rules of procedure just more clearly than it is now. And the only reason I'm bringing that up is because at the March 22nd meeting earlier this year, the city council actually approved and directed PPNE to actually, part of the ordinance was to flesh out this process for commissioners and that was not done. So I, I guess I'm a little hesitant because that order has was actually provided to PPNE March 22nd meeting. There's a letter. In fact, we quoted it in our letter that went to council. So I'm just trying to understand why that issue was not addressed the first time around, given that that was ex explicitly that has been part of the frustration for commissioners and commissions that are trying to kind of put forth recommendations. Yes, I, I understand your frustration. So it's really layered. As I said, this is the foundational municipal code for boards, commissions, and committees. So on top of that is then the council rules of, rules of procedure. So um, 2.40, uh, boards and commissions in general, is the underlying code. Um, it's the law. Um, and then on top of that is the council rules of procedure. It's how they do things. So we needed to move this um, ordinance forward and then we're taking the council rules of procedure to council, the full council, not just the PNPE committee um, for their deliberation. When, when would that um, document be made public for, the, for basically our commission and the public to opine? I'm hoping this week. Um, if not, it might be pushed out one more week to the city council. But this month? Correct. Thank you. Great. Thank you so much again. You can, you can see we're very frustrated, especially because there's still a lot of 
disagreement about what was brown acts, not brown acts, the type of bodies and the type of what what transparency we're gaining, given that it was clear that we can still make a, have small working groups. I just think it does make it a little difficult for us to really tell the public what's going on. And I actually have one clarification. Um, while originally for many of the new commissioners on here, we used to have, we actually are going to have one today where we have an agendized item to update everybody about what the work the ad hocs are doing. What I understand can now happen, we cannot formally put it on the agenda, but commissioners can provide an update during other parts of the agenda. Is that accurate? Um, I'd, I'd have to weigh in, um, have their attorney weigh in, but typically um, if you were having a working group to bring something forward, you would then either bring it to staff to bring a staff report forward so it could be on the agenda for discussion, um, but depends on the, on the circumstances. Um, the city council did opine that they do need to wrap up so any existing ad hoc committees will need to complete their work by the end of this calendar year. No, I appreciate that. So just to kind of clarify, if, if let's say I put together a small working group with Commissioner Guerrero, Commissioner Bliss, Commissioner Alcara, and we, we are ourselves organized at the beginning of the year, then come, let's say April, I want to provide an update. I can provide an update as uh, like uh, basically based on items not on the agenda. It would probably be recommended that you work with staff so that you do have an agenda item so that you can have a rich discussion. If it's an update, um, an update is more of a one-way communication. Um, if you have an item on the agenda, you can have a discussion in regards to that item. Okay, great. Thank you so much. Commissioner Bliss. Uh, one question that came up uh, when you were talking about updates to the uh, rules and procedures. Could you repeat again, what are the grounds for removal of commissioners uh, from, the, like, from their appointed body? Um, do you want me to read exactly from the code as it currently yeah. stands? So there, there are, is some language in the current council rules of procedure, um, and that's really related to decorum in chambers. Um, the new code, which I'm presenting on this evening, um, is, removal, is section 2.40120, which is removal of members for failure to comply with the law. Um, it states that each member of a board and commission shall comply with all laws or requirements related to the member's office, including provisions of any resolution, ordinance, or local, state, or federal law. This includes, but is not limited to, taking and subscribing to the oath or affirmation for public officers, filing a statement of economic interest as required by the city's conflict of interest code, adopted pursuant to the Political Reform Act, completing training in general ethics principles and ethics laws, and for purposes, um, purposes of Charter 232, failure of a member of a border commission to comply with subsection A is deemed good cause for removal from office. And then in addition to that, um, there was attendance. Could you uh, or Audriel um, uh, specify what is gr uh, good grounds for removal or good cause for removal from uh, office? Those are the only things that are the in the current code. So, if the in the update that you all have for the rules and procedures, will there be additional grounds that can justify good cause to, for removal from the uh, from the commissions and boards? Um, that the updated council rules or procedure, um, the council is not deliberated on that yet. 
Got you. But right now, as it exists, there's no uh, there's no rules or procedures or grounds that say if you uh, for good cause for removal for say violating the rules of the quorum, such as for say as one of us swears or um, uh, says something that another uh, council member or commissioner doesn't like. I'd be happy to send you the link to our current council rules of procedure. Would you like that? Uh, I actually already have it, but I'm just really curious. Okay. I'd like it to be like, you know, if you, you are the one who's the expert on it. So I prefer to just have that very clear for both like myself and members of the public and fellow commissioners, whether we can be removed for grounds of the things that we say during, uh, during public meetings. I don't have an answer to that question. Audrey L, could you provide, do you have an answer for that question? I don't, I don't usually work with that aspect. Um, however, if you want me to get back to you on that, I can. Great, I would appreciate that. Thank you. I see no other hand. Uh, thank you, City Clerk Cuppy. And I wanna go back to the public and see if there are any, any any members of the public who wish to speak on this item? Thank you, Chair. I do not have any hands raised for item number three. Thank you. Great. Thank you. And this item does not require a vote. So thank you again for coming in and presenting to us, City Clerk Puppy. And thank you for your time. Great, our next item on the agenda. Thank you everybody for a rich discussion there. Um, our next uh, issue actually on the agenda is ad hoc committee updates and subcommittee discussion. Okay, I think it might just be actually, um, I thought it was gonna be Mary Oplor, but Let's start with uh, Commissioner Guerrero, then Commissioner Bliss. Uh, that I wanted to clarify before I went on. This is the opportunity for the ad hocs and groups to talk about the work that we've been in being transparent and sharing with the public and giving them an opportunity to opine. But uh, this is that section, correct? Madam correct. Chair? Okay. Well, I'll report for the implementation ad hoc that, uh, and of course, you know this, Madam Chair, and um, um, uh, Vice Chair Hian and of course, um, Commissioner Williamson, the four of us have met um, with SAC PD and we've done a lot of work um, going back through the recommendations from 2018, 2019, 2020, 2021. We are reformatting those recommendations. Um, we had a very fruitful conversation with SAC PD um, on those recommendations. Um, we've uh, made a couple of agreements in terms of um, one, uh, organizing them uh, in a way that works both for the commission and the SAC PD. Secondarily, for the commission to, uh, to our best, the best of our abilities, um, annotate where the SAC PD has implemented a recommendation. Thirdly, where the commission uh, can potentially prioritize uh, those re recommendations from those various years. Uh, so that's on the commission and on the SAC PD. Um, they will review and also um, take a look at recommendations from their perspective that they may have implemented, partially implemented or not implemented. And so I really look forward to um, 
giving them an update in terms of a formatted document with all of these recommendations and then setting a meeting two weeks from then to go over that. And I also just want to um, acknowledge that uh, our chair, I'm probably stealing a little bit of her thunder, but um, uh, really ensured that we jump started this conversation again. And I really appreciated the SAC PD of engaging um, in this level of discussion to move us uh, move our recommendations forward and make sure that they're not just something we did in the past, but that we continue to, to move those forward. So that is the report from that ad hoc. Um, from the LGBTQ ad hoc um, committee, I just wanted to share that I don't, ex I'm not completely closing the book on that ad hoc, but I don't know that we'll have any recommendations from this ad hoc this year. So I just wanted to give that update. Thank you, Madam Chair. Thank you so much, Commissioner Guerrero, Commissioner Bliss, and then Commissioner Williamson. Yes. Um... Thank you for that update, uh, Commissioner Guerrero. I was gonna uh, just give a couple updates from the, uh, just to let folks know the uh, budget transparency ad hoc um, hasn't met um, uh, last month or the month before. Uh, however, I do intend to- uh, Chair, are you able to see this? Yes. Okay. Let's Thank see. you. Okay. There we go. Okay, good evening again, commissioners. Dr. Leticia Watson. I am the director of the Office of Public Safety Accountability. Um, this request came from one of the commissioners uh, in reference to the 2021 annual report that was done for mayor and council on July 26 of 2022. Um, we were initially scheduled for last week to do the presentation. Um, I apologize, I was requested to go to the NACO conference and speak on um, sexual misconduct in law enforcement and police, police accountability. So I was out of town. Um, so I'm here today, I'm going to uh, try to uh, highlight uh, the most important thing. Of course, our annual report includes a great deal of statistics. And so I, I won't go over all of the statistics for the report, but of course it's been made public if in, if, in case anyone would like to uh, review it in its entirety. But the focus of the presentation provides a brief overview of the Office of Public Safety Accountability's annual report. The report is to provide a comprehensive review of the office's performance in tracking and monitoring internal investigations, reviewing completed investigations, as well as statistical data for all misconduct allegations involving the city of Sacramento public safety personnel. I have been here in the city of Sacramento almost two and a half years. The 2021 annual report, which we are talking about today is the first calendar year in which I was in place for the entire year itself. Um, 2021 was a big year with the implementation of Mayor Steinberg's 2020 police reforms, which included the city of Sacramento's first inspector general, which took position on March the 29th of 2021. Our inspector general is Dwight White, and he has been to our um, police commission meeting. This year provides the mission of the Office of Public Safety and Accountability. Overall, we have several different goals. One is to improve public trust, to ensure ex accessible complaint processes, promote thorough and fair investigations, increase transparency, 
and deter police misconduct. Our office tries to meet all of these goals in regards to our oversight and accountability mission. In detail, the Office of Public Safety Accountability, sometimes short OPSA, is charged with providing oversight to the city's police department and fire department complaint process, as well as we are a liaison between the city and its diverse communities. The goal of the office is to promote trust, transparency, and accountability in the city's most critical public service departments. OPSA provides fair and impartial oversight of the public safety department's complaint processes. We receive complaints from the community, we audit departmental investigation results, and we independently conduct investigations into allegations of police or fire employee misconduct. OPSA also issues recommendations concerning community relations outreach, public safety department's policy and procedures, the training needs of their personnel, and individual case resolution as needed. I'll go over a little bit of the statistics. Um, it includes a wealth of information with regards to the allegations um, as well as the complaints. So this slide that you see here, the police complaints, their allegations of misconduct against any departmental employee involving a violation of any law, rule, regulation, policy, or other improper job performance. Please note that more than one allegation can be attached to any complaint involving public safety personnel. The illustration you see before you is a multi-year comparison of allegations of misconduct for the police department. In 2020, the allegations total 794, and in 2021, the allegations total 707. From 2020 to 2021, police misconduct allegations decreased by 87 allegations. Now, just to note, because you see a drastic difference when you look at from 2016 to 2021, the California Department of Justice, also termed DOJ, they released a report analyzing the use of force policies and procedures within the Sacramento Police Department. As a result of that report, modifications were made to the police department's internal investigations manual that resulted in changes to their complaint process. Prior to the changes implemented, many complaints were considered informal and closed as inquiries. If there was a possible violation of policy observed, then a formal investigation was initiated. The Department of Justice report recommended that the Sacramento Police Department establish a specific intake process that requires all complaints to be accepted and forwarded to internal affairs for processing and internal affairs should serve as the repository of all complaints regardless of the origin or the level of severity. The updated internal affairs manual was published effective August 1st of 2019 and required that all complaints be investigated and documented on a personnel complaint form. This significantly increased the number of complaints and allegations that were documented in 2019 compared to the previous years. This next table, it's showing that in 2021, there were a total of 242 complaints, which encompassed 706 allegations of misconduct. All of these were investigated, completed, and closed in 2021. 
this table shows the dispositions of those 706 allegations that were closed in 2021. When you talk about the 242 complaints, 128 complaints were originally filed in 2021. And the remaining 114 complaints were from older 2019 and 2020 cases. 279 of those completed allegations of misconduct were sustained. And the sustained cases were referred to police command staff for disciplinary action against employees. And just to make note that the allegations of improper search and seizure, neglect of duty, discourtesy, and service were the largest proportion of misconduct allegations filed against the Sacramento police personnel during this reporting period. This particular table reflects the discipline imposed from the complaints completed in 2021. Also just make note that one case can result in multiple disciplinary actions against multiple employees. So this table shows the type of discipline and then the actual discipline that's imposed. This, the next few slides will move past. This is the fire department. This is one of the biggest changes that was made to, to the office upon me restructuring. This talks about what is reviewed by OPSA. So you see these two tables. These two tables outline that during 2021, OPSA conducted a full formal review of 64% of all complaints filed against the Sacramento Police Department. OPSA always reviews 100% of the complaints filed against the Sacramento Fire Department. Of the completed investigations that OPSA has reviewed, there was one fire investigation and two police investigations that were returned back to the respective agencies for further review. This section here talks about this new inspector general position that was one of Mayor's 2020 police reforms. The newly established inspector general conducts independent investigations of officer involved shootings and police use of force incidents resulting in serious bodily injury to community members or death. Upon completion of the initial onboarding process with the city of Sacramento, the inspector general began his primary responsibility of serving in an on-call capacity, responding to critical incidents. And he also um, showed that he responded during this reporting period from March the 29th when he began through the end of the year. He responded to two officer involved shootings and initiated independent investigations. The chart provides the status of those investigations. Of course, this is talking about 2021, uh, but the Inspector General has responded to far more than just two. In addition to critical incident response and conducting independent investigations, the Inspector General is responsible for the inspection, review, and research of all aspects of complaint investigations regarding allegations of misconduct. The chart depicts the total number of cases in which the Inspector General reviewed during this reporting period. The Inspector General reviewed 112 of the 289 Sacramento Police Department cases. 
the Inspector General began reviewing police cases on May 29, 2021 through the end of his year. Prior to his appointment, the cases were reviewed by other OSA personnel. In my opinion, the most important thing um, is not the statistics, but the actual recommendations each year um, from the reviews and all of the information that we receive in OPSA, what we determine is, is most important and we should prioritize as far as improving how we deliver public safety in the city. So you see where um, it outlines um, the Office of Public Safety Accountability. One of the, our primary goals is to review 100% of police cases. We've been reviewing 100% of fire cases since November of 2020. Our goal is to increase our staffing so that we can review 100% of police cases. That way we can key in on more um, issues that, that should be addressed. It's very hard to provide conclusive findings um, when you don't look at everything that comes in. The uh, second bullet you, you see is improve information sharing with other city departments and also increase educational awareness and community engagement. With COVID-19, um, we still have a, a greater uh, proportion of community members who don't know what this office does um, or have a, a lack of understanding how we fit in and how we provide checks and balances to, to public safety processes. And then of course, for the Sacramento Police Department recommendations for 2021, um, the recommendations to conduct quality investigations to ensure uh, most accurate findings in each investigation or rather that's being investigated by the Internal Affairs Department or if those cases are being handed out to the district commanders uh, within the uh, police stations. Decrease lengthy backlogs. We have a lot of issues uh, receiving uh, the cases and the cases being investigated in a timely fashion. Uh, implement a policy requiring officers to provide name and badge number during all public interactions with community members and implement a separate search and seizure policy. Now, I went through that pretty fast, um, but Chair, I'm open uh, for any questions in case any of our commissioners have any questions. Great, thank you so much, Director Watson. Really quickly, before we go to the commissioners, Madam Clerk, do we have any members of the public who wish to speak on this item? Thank you, Chair. I do not have any speakers with their hands raised for this item. Thank you. Great, thank you. Then with that, I turn over to the commissioners. Any commissioner who has any questions about this item? Commissioner Bliss. Thanks, Sharon. Uh, don't wanna take up too much space on this. I have a, a couple of questions uh, regarding the uh, types of disciplinary action. You had mentioned before that uh, the number of disciplinary actions in this report are just the number or, or do not include the number of officers who receive those disciplinary actions. Does OPSA um, have access to, to the information like or, or know how many officers were subject to disciplinary action? Commissioner Bliss, repeat your question one more time for me. Does, uh, does OPSA receive an accurate count of uh, how many a specific number of how many officers have received uh, one, like those disciplinary actions, the number that you list in the report? Yes, um, at the end of the year, um, when we get ready to um, complete the annual report, um, it takes a, a great deal of time because it is a lot of going back and forth to make sure that every 
um, allegation and every complaint has been logged on both sides for fire and police. So it is a lot of looking at spreadsheets to make sure that every um, individual log matches. So our, our logs must match the fire department, our log must match the police department, and then sometimes you'll have police and fire cases that are not investigated by either of them. And then it's been handed over because of a conflict of interest or something where it's been uh, handed over to the city attorney's office to hire outside individuals to investigate certain allegations of misconduct. So we do a lot of um, going back and forth. And that's what I mean by information sharing with other departments who may have taken over an investigation and they were not investigated uh, by police or fire. So it's not just them. Um, but at the end, uh, trying to make sure that we have a count of, um, you know, how many counselings, uh, how many uh, suspensions, all of that, where you saw that chart inside the uh, presentation. Got you. And, and want to make sure I, I, my question was understood well. I, I was curious to know, if, like, out of the type, out of the number of disciplinary actions that, like, you know, that were issued, do you have a count of how many officers received those actions? Like, no, I don't go back and count and see how many of the officers received each one of those. I just outlined what the disciplinary action was and what was the what was um, the the, depos the uh, disposition of that. But how many each one uh, received? Because you can have multiple officers for multiple allegations. No, we don't do that. Right. I, I think it would be helpful in the future, like for future. Uh, annual reports just to get a sense of how many officers within the department out of the 750 um, uh, odd officers uh, that are currently employed um, are receiving discipline, or, you know, have been disciplined, just like a, an, an act, like an aggregate count. Um, is it possible for OPSA to include that in future reports? I'll look into it and see um, how much time consuming that'll take in, in regards to all the other stats that, that we provide. So I'll, I'll make a note. I appreciate that, and I understand that it, it takes a great deal of time, so I uh, want to appreciate that. Uh, another question, I, one more question I have was, um, sure. do, do we have a timeline for when the uh, Inspector General will be allowed to present his report on uh, the officer-involved shootings uh, that were mentioned in this? No, we do not. Um, what has to happen is, is that once um, the uh, fact-finding has been complete, um, it has to go to me for review and then go to the city attorney's office uh, for review. And then we have to uh, do a lot of collaboration because the inspector general's uh, authority is based on SB 1421. Um, so we are still going to have to wait on the disposition from the district attorney's office as well. So it takes a lot of time. So I don't have a timeline for you on when that first one uh, will be done because you're waiting on quite a bit of uh, different entities to make sure that everything has been handled. Thank you. No problem. I see we have Commissioner Williamson is up next. Thank you, Madam Chair. Dr. Watson, what do we know about the relationship of a uh, complaint or a disciplinary action related to the uh, types of training programs that the officer has, uh, has been through? Um, for example, if there's a complaint related to uh, not how an officer's uh, interacting with somebody from a, uh, a certain uh, uh, community of interest. What do we know about the kind of training courses that person has been through uh, that might have uh, uh, prevented uh, that 
that uh, uh, complaint or, or uh, disciplinary action from having occurred in the first place. Uh, so kind of how do we measure the relationship of training to uh, uh, what happens to the officer in the uh, in the field? If I understand you correctly, Commissioner, um, are you because when an allegation of misconduct comes in, it takes a great deal of time because it needs to be investigated because it may be determined that the officer did not do anything wrong. There was no misconduct. Um, so once it's investigated, um, no, OPSA does not go and look to see what type of training um, the officer has had, if if that's what you're asking. Tell me if I'm, I'm thinking of this right or if you're asking something Yeah, we're, we're getting real close together here. For example, uh, let's say that I'm complaining that a police officer is not showing proper respect to an old white guy with gray hair. And and uh, just hypothetically here. And and if there were a training course that peace officer standards and training had on guiding police officers on how to deal, uh, you know, with my my uh, community of interest, and may, maybe that training course would have made the officer more aware of how to handle the interaction with me. Uh, I mean, we should be as as much as trying to deal with the specifics of an incident. Seems to me we should be looking at how we prevent incidents in the future. With, with the police force as a whole. Uh, and so I was just wondering to what extent do you look at the training courses that an officer has had to help understand uh, uh, the credibility of the complaint and the actions of the, uh, of the officer? Hmm. That's a, a good question, but no, uh, my office doesn't look at the, um, the allegation of misconduct and marry that up to the training that they've had. Um, I would I would venture to say from my experience where what you're getting at is is that the officers who have uh, just from the example you gave issues with service or anything that has to do with this courtesy if the allegation is sustained meaning that the officer was found to have done something wrong um, then when they get ready to uh, provide uh, disciplinary action to that employee then that's where you start looking at what is it that needs to be done to resolve that issue in the future. Um, yes. when you, when you look at, uh, that's one of the, the, um, the goals of the office is, is that in order to start speaking on as a whole, uh, what all, um, recommendations to improve and to mitigate, uh, complaints from even happening. Um, that is why I say that the office needs to ensure that we are looking at every complaint that comes in from the police department, not just a percentage. And there's where we're, we're, we're not, uh, we're deficient. And, and that's what I've uh, continued to tell mayor and council is that we need enough staffing to look at everything that comes in so that we can have a, a broader view and, and be able to provide recommendations on everything that, that we're seeing. When you only right. see a small portion, it's very hard for you to be conclusive about what needs to be to be done and what needs to be changed. Well, perhaps some of that responsibility would go back to the police department where, I mean, it, sh it shouldn't take a formal disciplinary action uh, uh, in order or a reprimand or, or other formal activity in order to create an awareness that, hey, maybe there's something we need to make a priority in our training programs so that we prevent this kind of issue from, uh, from spreading. Well, it has to be sustained in order for you to determine that it's an issue. Um, well, so... no, excuse me, I'm gonna interrupt you there. It's an issue whether it's sustained or not. You have a member of the public who made a special effort to raise, 
to people's awareness that they felt like there was something wrong that happened. That makes it an issue. Now, and, and I, I don't feel that everything needs to require a, a guilty verdict in order to require action to prevent it from happening in the future. I, I did interrupt you and I did want to make that point. No, that's a, a good point, but you have to keep in mind as well um, that just because a complaint has been filed, uh, there are times where we have a lot of community members as well where it is fictitious. So just keep in mind that there is a balanced approach to all of that. Yeah. But then that, that's where, again, I, I, I don't want to rely upon guilty verdicts in order to have action occur to prevent future potential problems. Yes, what you probably are talking about is, is culture and the philosophy of the organization. But just because an allegation is made doesn't mean that that really occurred is, is, is what I'm uh, hinting to for you. Uh, the, the training program can help shape the culture. Yes, um, training is important, policy is important, but reinforcing practice is going to be most important. You can have all the training, but if it's not a reinforcement and making sure that it's being applied in your daily interactions, the training and the policies are irrelevant. But re reinforcement means you have something to reinforce against, and that's what training is about, reminding people you took that course and now let's remember what it was. If you didn't have the training in the first place, what do you have to reinforce? True. I think we're saying the same thing. I said that you can have training. I'm not sure we have detailed yeah. policies, but training and policies alone is just training and policies. You have to make sure that your culture and your philosophy aligns with that and you have reinforcements. And reinforcements, I mean, in your performance evaluations of your employees, incentives to make sure that everything that is learned is being applied. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Any other commissioners? Commissioner Bliss, do you have your hand up? Uh, Commissioner Carter. Place for uh, Commissioner Carter. Go ahead. Thank you. Commissioner Carter. Dr. Watson. Yes, ma'am. Uh, clarification. I thought I heard you say you don't necessarily look at the training. Um, no, no. Do you mean do we look at what training is being provided to all officers in the police department and the fire department? And no, we do not. Okay. Um, the other commissioner, Williamson. As I understood or my interpretation of what he was trying to get at is we have all these training in the academy. We got sensitivity training. We got sexual harassment training. Um, and then when I look at the dispositions, you said there was a great number of neglected duty, search and seizure. They give them tra training in the academy on search and seizure. And then you have a uh, conduct on becoming an officer, people just being rude. And so the question is, I want to piggyback on Commissioner Williamson, is that when you're going through the complaints, you could see the trends or the areas where the training is weak or the officer didn't follow the training. I don't know if they didn't comprehend or what. So if there's a large number of rudeness and insensitive to a certain community, then you know that if that officer took the quote unquote diversity training, that something wasn't, the officer missed something. 
you know, or if, it's, or if the allegation is the officer is rude to a certain community, then, you know, he flunked the sensitivity training. So do you um, have discussions with SAC PD or the council on those areas? Because you're seeing all the complaints. And if the complaints are coming up with these issues, and we know we always say, well, training, training, training. Well, you know that the officers have been trained. And once they've been trained, you got a document in their personnel file where they sign off that they took this class and they understand this and that. So if all that is going on, um, are you going to start looking at training or do you have some kind of discussion to figure out, okay, these issues are coming up and the officers are being trained. So something is wrong. Either officer is not comprehending or the training is deficient and maybe the training needs to be changed. I don't know. So I just put that on the table. Hello? Hello, Dr. Watson still there? I think Dr. Watson got dropped from the call. Oh, okay. She, she's on mute, but I want to say thank you for everything you just said. <laughs> You're welcome. Okay, I guess we'll move on because she was dropped. And this uh, is Mary. Go ahead. Sorry, this is Mary Oppler from OPSA. If you have any follow-up questions, uh, I can write them down and get you formal answers on those. Or if you want to shoot me an email, uh, I'm sorry that call dropped. I'm sure she's trying to get back on. But if you guys have any um, further thoughts, we really do want your feedback. So either now, please uh, keep keep on with the questions, or feel free to send any questions to myself or Michelle, and we will we'll get you some answers from the director. Okay, Ma I'm, Mary, I'm back. Can you hear me? I'm on the I I logged on on the phone because it, it's oh. dropping. Yes, we can hear you now, Director. Okay, good deal. Okay, Commissioner Carter was talking about the um, importance of their training. Yes. So, how much of that did you hear? Well, I mean, I'm thinking it, it dropped off in the middle of your point where you were uh, saying that um, it's important to look at what training that the police department has, and that I told you that we don't look at their training. We have not went that far. Um, that's the problem that we have in OPSA is the staffing and all the things that we already have responsibility for. And so deep diving into uh, specific allegations, that's not something that we've done as far as service or discourtesy. Now, I will say that the chief of the police department said that's something that she's focusing on. Right now, um, what we are focusing on is the highest allegation of improper search and seizure and conducting um, a two-year audit in reference to those allegations. But it's only so much that me and my staff can do with the limited personnel that we have. So our focus is on that highest allegation of misconduct, which is improper search and seizure. And you saw the recommendation um, that it doesn't need to be embedded in another policy. It needs to have a separate standalone policy. Okay, but my focus and I think what Commissioner Williamson was trying to get at is that since you're looking at all these complaints and you're seeing all these issues, now, as a former chief of police, you know all the training that officers get. And so in this particular situation, you see SACPD has an issue with search and seizure. Now, I know they get search and seizure training in the academy. So if we have having all these search and seizure complaints, then that would lead one to believe that 
the train either they forgot the training in the academy they're too far out they need a refresher course or they never understood it in the first place or maybe the class that they took was just deficient from the beginning so hypothetically if it was deficient from the beginning then given the statistics is saying that search and seizure the numbers are higher than you know norm or whatever what's being done between the statistics and the information that your office is gathering through the complaint process to SAC PD so they can make some changes with their training if that's in fact what needs to be done. The first so thing that has to be issue. done. No, the first thing that has to be done is what's being done is an audit of that information. Just because I said there's an allegation does not necessarily mean there's a systematic, a systemic issue. It could be an isolated incident. Once it's determined after looking at every allegation of mis uh, every allegation of misconduct for that particular allegation. Then we delve into what specifically do we have certain officers who's doing it? I mean, we're going years back because you don't want to um, say anything conclusive if you hadn't looked at everything. That's another issue that, that we have. So looking at two years back, that's what we will do is to look at what it was that was done, look at every single case that involved that allegation of misconduct Go back and see, do we have certain officers? Do we not? Um, do we have an issue where we don't understand consensual stop versus non-consensual stops? We have to dive into it to make sure that we are giving accurate recommendations on what needs to be done. We have to go back and look at what is the training? When was the last time was the training updated? That's the same issue with the policy needs to be updated and it needs to be separate. That's national best practices, not to embed it into a whole nother policy. And that's currently how it is. So it's a lot of parts that go on. But to do it for every single allegation, we don't have that, that staffing to do it. The one that has uh, the initial uh, incidents that we've seen is that's why that's the focus right now. Service and discourtesy is, is a focus that she says she's focusing on, but that's not what my office is focusing on right now. Okay, thank you. Uh-huh. Commissioner Blitz. Really appreciate this discussion. I agree, we should be looking um, into the training as well. I also heard in there too, correct me if I'm wrong, Dr. Rossin, that it's uh, uh, not just the training and the policy, but also we have to examine the culture uh, that those that those trainings and policies are rooted within because all the training and the policy in the world isn't going to change how officers operate if their culture uh, doesn't include any, like doesn't, uh, hold them accountable uh, or discourage them from violating the training or breaking those policies. And one example in particular that came, that I noticed from the report was uh, one of your recommendations being um, to require, uh, to have a standing policy uh, for personnel to show, um, uh, to always present their um, their badge numbers, uh, their name and badge numbers when, uh, during all citizen contacts. That's something that like the commission like included in its recommendations uh, from uh, all the way back in 2020. We were told in 2021 that that recommendation was being implemented. Um, and I also checked too the, under um, the current general orders uh, that appears to be um, uh, under general, or that appears to be the case with uh, General Order uh, uh, 210.04 on general and professional conduct. It clearly states that officers are supposed to provide that information on contact. But if they're, 
if they are still not like following that policy or procedure, one, I think it's important to like to look at the training and see if like that is actually matching it because it's been a couple of years now since that recommendation was put out and we were told that they were, uh, you know, that this policy was being implemented, but also too looking at the culture and who, how many people, uh, the demographics of people that are making those complaints. Um, I think it would also reveal too, like, you know, what, what needs to change culturally um, alongside the training and policy within that. Um, one question that, that came up to mind, or actually two questions really was, um, actually hanging on the second one, but the first question is, how many uh, uh, personnel are currently employed within OPSA that are doing these, or conducting these investigations? You said how many? Yes. Full-time positions. So yeah. OPSA has four full-time positions. Gotcha. And, the, and those are all, those are currently filled, right? Yes. Yes. Michelle is, is the last um, vacancy. Okay. And that's like, so you're conducting over uh, 700 some odd recommendations, like investigations into each of these complaints amongst the four of you i mean that's that's quite a bit which speaks volumes to the need of like you know having more people investigating but also too if you have more like at least more people that were providing that information too we'd be able to uh, see more deeply into these numbers and statistics i think they like you know they're not the focus but they are important to be able to identify just like we like you know being able to know how many officers are being are, are receiving disciplinary action so that we can get a sense of whether these are um, as police and uh, like and their supporters like to say uh, just a few bad apples or if this is actually a trend uh, and a pattern of uh, like within the culture itself. You know, you all make some some good points, but always remember that OPSA's authority is limited. Um, once um, the case and all of the allegations and the investigation has been reviewed we have no authority from that point once the disposition of the actual case has been agreed upon by OPSA so once it leaves us where we say okay we do agree that this case is sustained or it is not sustained or it's exonerated or unfounded we have no authority after that so when you start talking about how people are disciplined how much discipline they receive we don't get any of that information and we are not allowed in those conversations because we don't have that authority. So that's why you don't see a lot of information about discipline of fire or police because we don't have that authority. That raises questions of, of really what, what level of independent oversight uh, outside of the department that you, whether fire or, like, you know, or, or police in, in particular actually have if we can't even see the number of just the aggregate number of officers that are disciplined um but i did remember one question that i uh, that i wanted to ask and i think this is more towards um the uh audriel and or uh, mario lara um i wanted to know uh because back to the uh ig's investigations uh into officer involved shootings uh we we had asked about uh, we'd asked for a presentation I think back in August and the IG at the time when he presented said he should be able to provide it within the next month and that's what we were told but then kind of last minute it seemed like it was pulled I'm just kind of curious is there a, like what does city code say about 
the requirements for the IG's report? Like, is that require like the city code require them to, uh, like you know, to have doc uh, the OPSA director review it and then have it presented to city council first, or um, is that just kind of the the standing procedure absence of uh, like a formal city code? That's policy and procedure from when the position was uh, established. So those are just department policy. There's nothing in city code that explicitly requires them, like requires the IG to report to, the, like, to present to the city council and, and, and you know, to that first. Well, the um, you just have to remember that the inspector general was established under the Office of Public Safety Accountability, which reports to mayor and council. So that's why the um, whether it is a written report or whether it is a, a formal presentation in um, city council. Um, it will be on a case-by-case -case basis, but it goes to the supervisors first, and then it goes out to everyone else after that. And the supervisors of OPSA is mayor and council. Gotcha. I mean, wanting to name that we have a recommendation, or that the commission has put out a recommendation from uh, as far back as 2020, or that, you know, I think this kind of reinforces the need both to be very, they get very clear about like, what are the formal rules within those positions, how the IGs like is able to investigate uh, independently of OPSA. Right now, like, I mean, I understand that it's been structured as a position under OPSA supervision, but one of the recommendations that we had made was that this actually should be, um, uh, the IG's office should be a separate independent entity. Um, from that, I think. Yes, conversation. I, I remember uh, you did, but the authority of the Inspector General falls on the authority of OPSA. So there is nothing separate and the, the Inspector General would not have any authority if it didn't fall under the authority of the Office of Public Safety Accountability. So there is where the resolution was passed where the Inspector General falls underneath OPSA in order to have the authority to look at all of the confidential information in order to conduct an independent investigation. Thank you, Director Walton. As I remember, in order for the authority to change, it actually would require a vote of the people. Yes, the it would be a charter change. It would yes. be a charter change. Um, right now, the charter basically states that the only, only the city council has authority to this information. That's one of the reasons that it's structured the way it is. Uh, Commissioner Williamson. Thank you, and I'm mindful of the hour here, so I'll try to be efficient. Uh, I heard the uh, commissioner uh, listed there were about 700 uh, uh, complaints that ha that are currently uh, it, it, uh, logged with you, Dr. Watson. Is that correct? No, it dep it, it depends. Uh, each year, you saw on the chart where it changes. So from 20. 20 to 2021, it decreased by 87 allegations. So um, 2022 is still going. I'm not sure if it'll, if the allegations will increase or if it will decrease. Ballpark, Dr. Watson. Ballpark. It can change. It, it can be 600. It can be 700. It's hard to say. Okay. Okay. Ball, okay. We have a, we have a range. Um, and do you get through all of those each year? No. Um, you saw in the recommendation that OPSA needs to be able to review 100%, meaning every single case of police. We review every case of fire. We do not review every case of police. Um, 
Now, in, in generally, in kind of management consulting, there's something called the 80-20 rule, where basically 80% of the time addresses 20% of the cases, and 20% of the time is sufficient to handle 80% of the cases. So do you have some kind of a triage process to try to figure out which ones are you're going to be able to focus on? Yes. Um, I determine which cases are reviewed on police side because I don't have the staffing to look at everything. So the ones that you choose not to review at all, what happens to those? Those are investigated and uh, completed by the police department. Okay. Is, is it, I'm, I'm not interested in getting involved with any officer's name or even the complainant's name, but is, is it possible to get a profile of what that entire list looks like to get an idea of like, is there a subject line for each that could in, in, in 10 words summarizes what that, what that complaint is to get an idea of, of the X hundred that involve uh, law enforcement that we know generally what the categories are and then within that, which are, are being addressed and which are being referred to the uh, department? I'm thinking that I'm not understanding your question. Um, in the annual report for 2021, it's going to show you how many of the allegations were for each category. Okay. Because, um, again, I, 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 I'll, let it, I'll, I'll let it go at that in the interest of time. Uh, thank you. And I'll, I can, I'll follow up with guidance from, from our... Uh, from our chair. Thank you. Uh-huh. Great. Any final thoughts, questions from the commission? Great. Well, thank you so much, Di Director Watson. I know that you've been working a lot. Let us know how we can continue to support you, and especially because it sounds like you do need a, a lot. You need additional staff. So. In order to be able to um, answer questions about everything, uh, that occurs uh, within the police department as we can with the fire department. Yes, we'll, we'll definitely need some more staff. That way we can actually say we have looked at every single case. Where the funding? Thank you so much. No problem. Great. So that item does not require a vote. And we have, um, we're moving on to the final item on our agenda. Uh, the next item is commissioners comments ideas questions are there any commissioners that wish to speak one one thing very quickly that i forgot to mention at the beginning in, in terms of my updates um we were notified by we meaning you know the vice chair and myself were notified that the police department will no longer be attending our meeting that duty is now passed on to um Mario Lara, who's going to be the new point person for the city and for the PD. Commissioner Guerrero. Uh, that's uh, concerning. I thought that uh, as someone who's been really dogged about the council voting on a recommendation, I thought the council, that was one of the items that the council literally took a vote on to require SAC PD to attend these meetings. So I'm uh, did they take another vote otherwise? No, they did not. My understanding, because that was a question that I asked in terms of what it was an issue that had been taken up. And the, my, the response was that because the recommendation was SPD liaison, that liaison can be interpreted as a city. Now, one of the things that I think it, we would be remiss, we do have, we, I want to go back to talk to the council, especially because that was not our understanding. That's not 
what actually was said in on the record. I know that it was one of those things that everybody was celebrating the fact that PD was attending our meeting. So it is an item that I just wanted to make sure that commissioners knew about it and we're still having additional discussions about it. Commissioner Williamson. Uh, very quick here. I wanted to just say my personal interactions with law enforcement, one I initiated and one I was the subject of recently, I found the standards of the officers to be exceptional and I came away with the highest level of respect as an individual in my interactions. As a member of this police commission, what I see is obfuscation by the city in the commission's efforts to try to work with the police department. I'm just gonna end right there. Thank you. Any other comments or thoughts from uh, the other commissioners? Commissioner Carter and then Commissioner Bliss. Okay, in regard to SAC PD no longer attending these meetings, um, was there any discussion or you just got an email from Chief Lester saying that SAC PD will no longer be present? No, so the way it, it happened is, and I think Mr. Laria is on. Remember last meeting when Commissioner Bliss asked why PD was not here? Um, Mr. Lara kind of said we, you know, he was going to be representing the PD and the city. We followed up with an email and had a conversation with him. The decision was done by the, the decision was made by city manager. City manager has the authority to oversee, he basically oversees all of the day-to-day -day, um, work that is done. And so that was kind of the, what happened. We were not notified prior. Commissioner uh, Bliss, then Commissioner Guerrero. Uh, uh, Commissioner Ganetto can go before me. Thank you. Thank you, uh, Vice Chair Bliss. I just have to say, <laughs> I'm getting beat down here with all of the things that uh, that we fight for and that we think, you know, the few things that we think we get and that uh, it seems we don't even get those. Um, just to share, that was never the intent. It's always been, uh, at least for, for me, it's always been clear that the recommendation um, was to have SAC PD here, not someone from the, uh, uh, not someone uh, from the city council representing city council as great as uh, uh, our interaction, at least I should say my interaction has been with Mario so far. That's, that wasn't the recommendation. That's not the, that's not the heart. That's not the intent. I don't even think that's the language. So once again, I'm just disappointed. Um, and we continue to ask why folks um, feel that this com uh, commission is disrespected, that why the public doesn't seem to come out as much is because we're starting to become defeated. I, I am. After so many years of fighting, it's just you, it's hard not to feel like you're defeated when you get you think you get just this one or two recommendations and um, I shouldn't say one or two. I don't want to over dramatize it, but one this recommendation that we thought we had, we actually don't have. Um, so it's disappointing. And I welcome, of course, uh, representation by the city council, but there's a, it, it, it's important to have SAC PD here to have that interaction. So um, yeah, just disappointing. Thank you, Commissioner. Commissioner Bliss. Echo um, Commissioner Guerrero's disappointment as well. Um, and also want to name just the, what we're dealing with in city council as well, um, given 
especially following the vote on the military equipment use policy. Um, I wanted to just name to my fellow commissioners um, uh, what's been going on following the votes, um, particularly when it concerns my position on this commission. Um, shortly after the votes uh, on this, or during the vote on the city council, there was a round of um, of commentary and defending the uh, the military equipment use policy as as was written without any of our recommendations, which our recommendations we had made, which included requiring uh, uh, Sacramento Police Department to conduct comparative and demographic reporting for its annual reports uh, for military use, uh, clearly stating specific situations where the department is unauthorized from using military equipment along with its unauthorized usage, designating independent oversight authority to OPSA, the IG, and this commission to ensure uh, the department's compliance, and also requiring uh, the police department to seek city council approval before any public or private funding is spent to acquire military equipment, and establishing clear limits on uh, the military equipment stockpile by requiring all procurements, acquisitions, and purchases be approved separately from the department's uh, annual reports or general order updates. Unfortunately, the city council once again ignored all of these recommendations, uh, making only a minor change, which resulted in um, uh, requiring that before the department can uh, restock 10% of its military equipment stockpile when it runs low, it has to seek city council approval. That was the only change because it was blatantly out like uh, in violation of 8481. Um, but during that conversation, there was a lot of uh, misrepresentation, uh, unfortunately, that I perceived of the um, uh, conversation between this commission and um, the department, which was tied in as well with the fact that they had, they had no liaison present during the first two meetings leading up to that conversation. Um, well, the, uh, and then uh, a conversation that was had between the uh, Chair Castillo-Krings and uh, Chief Lester, uh, I felt was also misrepresented. And then uh, also listening to um, District 3 Council Member Jeff Harris um, openly spinning uh, a, a, a narrative that not only was uh, offensive to uh, community members that were out on the street uh, during the Stephon Clark protests and the George Floyd protests, misrepresenting how um, how police were treated, some of whom uh, included myself and also um, uh, people that I know within the community. Um, uh, it was also racist, uh, the narratives that were uh, used coming from the diets. And um, I called that out uh, explicitly. Uh, I called it as racist as Jim Crow. And as a result, um, at the following city council meeting on September 20th, uh, District 3 council member uh, Jeff Harris, uh, unfortunately, decided that that violates the, count, uh, the rules of procedure established by council by basically calling out racism and as uh, requested that the city bring uh, the city council bring up an item to discuss my removal from this commission. I've raised that because I think it's, uh, it's par for the course for the level of respect that council currently has for this commission as an advisory body that's been established since 2016. The fact that we are a majority people of color on this commission as well, and just the level of disregard. Uh, if we, that, and the threat that we are basically subject when we say things that we don't like or call out 
uh, racism, racism as we see it within both uh, uh, rules of decorum and also the uh, city council decisions. And so uh, that item maybe uh, is going to be brought up tomorrow uh, during the consent calendar. And I just wanted to name that here uh, for full transparency and disclosure. Um, I'm still, uh, I know for a fact that uh, my first amendment rights are protected oh. under the current rules of procedure, but either way, um, we're gonna have the conversation. So I just wanted to name that that is, um, uh, that that may come out and uh, wanted to just put it here uh, openly for everyone to know. Commissioner Williamson, you came off mute. Uh, <laughs> thank you, uh, Madam Chair. Uh, uh, Kian, uh, send me uh, send me information on when this is going to come up at the city council meeting. Uh, uh, Jeff Harris is my council member, so I feel like I have failed in my job for this to have happened. And uh, I, I like to at least be uh, be present and say something at the meeting if this issue comes up. I appreciate that, Commissioner Williamson. Uh, it's uh, item one on the consent calendar uh, at the 5 p.m. meeting uh, for city council. Um, yeah, um, I will. Or I, I just wanted to let folks know that that, that is happening as a result from uh, my comments, but also that I'm going to continue to work on this commission um, until such time that I am removed. Uh, yeah, I, there are a few people I enjoy disagreeing with more than you, and uh, I think we need a free exchange of ideas. Well said, Commissioner Williamson. I completely agree. The vice chair and I don't always agree, but the, at the end of the day, that's part of what this commission is supposed to do, bring diverse voices and experiences to make sure that we're properly representing everybody in our city. And that means that there will be disagreements. There are going to be things that we say to each other that might not be what we want to hear, but sometimes, especially after really frustrating discussions with the MEU and how that, that entire conversation happened, it was, it was both of us were very disappointed and very angry at the end. And so, Commissioner, I will be there tomorrow. I won't be able to be in person, but I will be calling in. Commissioner Guerrero. Madam Chair, I would ask the um, city clerk if there is an opportunity to um, here, I'm just going to say what I'd like to do. I'd like to uh, make a motion that uh, we let uh, that this commission vote to uh, support uh, Vice Chair uh, Bliss as his continued uh, service on the commission. And I'm unsure if we can uh, take that vote at this time, but I would love, I would so love moved. if we can. Second. Is that possible, Madam Clerk? Hi, Commissioner Guerrero. This is not an action item. I defer to the CAO if I am wrong. Um, this is just Commissioner Commons during this time. So there's not an action that needs to be taken during this time. Uh, it, Audrey, yeah, it's against the Brown Act to um, move on something that wasn't noticed or agendized. So unfortunately, you won't be able to do that. So, sorry, is there an exception for emergency situations where something of interest to the whole community when it comes up at the last minute can be agendized at the behest of the chair? Or am I, I, I honestly might be misremembering that. 
you know, if you want to give me a minute to look it up, I can. Um, off the top of my head, I, I can't really say. I'm, I'm thinking there has to be more than in the moment. Um, and I'm pretty, I'm thinking there's probably uh, specifics for what constitutes an emergency. Um, so I, if you give me time, I can look it up, but I, I can't say right now. If you, if you can, Adriel, that I'd, I'd appreciate it. And, and in the meantime, I will just say that if we're not able to uh, take that on as a formal motion and we're still just in conversation. Um, uh, Kiana, I'm teaching a class last night, so tomorrow night, so I won't be able to, to attend, but uh, please feel free or anyone who attends to use my name and very clearly state that I am complete support of you staying on. And I would, I would ask other... and urge everybody who is willing and able to call in tomorrow, attend the meeting, to just support your fellow commissioner. I'm sorry, Adriel, you were going to say something? You're on mute. Sorry, I was going to ask uh, about uh, if e-comments are also available uh, for the agenda. I was going to ask the clerk's office. I don't know the, the timing for that. Hi, Adriel. We didn't receive any e-comments as of today. Um, I checked it around three five. Excuse me, three fifty-five p.m. and we didn't receive any. Oh no, I meant if the commissioners can do that. Absolutely, the e-comments were made. I'm sorry. Go okay, ahead. sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. No, no, no. I'm sorry. Oh, okay. that was it for me. So apparently you can't apologize. That was it for me. But I, I'm looking it up. Great. Thank you so much, Adriel. Commissioner Williamson. Thank, thank you. Is, is it possible to construct a motion such as contingent upon it being legal to do so? I move that we uh, express support to the city council on, on uh, Keon Bliss as a commission member. Given the fact that this is a, a, a last minute issue the city council didn't take its action in a manner that gave time to notice it for this meeting. I think that still falls into what I'm looking at. Um, mm -hmm. So uh, I'm, I'm just gonna give me a few minutes, I apologize. Okay, thank you. Commissioner Guerrero. Uh, thank you, uh, Chair Castillo. Uh, can you reiterate, uh, Vice Chair Bliss, what item? It's in tomorrow's five o'clock. On what item number is it, if you recall? I'm it looking it be, up now. It'll be item one, um, the City Council's um, uh, request log. Uh, it's the first one on the consent calendar for City Council at 5 p.m. Thank you. I just want to say I appreciate uh, all of you uh, and your support and uh, really honored to be working with all of you uh, on this in this important work that you're doing. Chair, I, chair, if I may, 
please. Um, this is Mario Lara. I'm looking at the council agenda and item one is to place an item on the on the follow-up log. So it's not an up or down vote at that time, but if it does get placed on the follow-up log, right? If that if that happens, then that item would have to come go back to council just so that you're aware. So it's so can from from a procedural standpoint, can you help us understand what action mm -hmm. council could take tomorrow? So item one. The, the, is, is the place the item on the follow-up log to direct, I guess, uh, city manager and city clerk to prepare an item for council to, to consider um, that action of an up or down vote on whether or not uh, the commission member remains in the commission. Um, so it's to put it on the follow-up log to come back to council. Now, it could be that, you know, council hasn't deliberated on that yet, but I just wanted to clarify what that item was on the agenda. Thank you. I'm looking. I'm looking it up. Where can we see what the council is considering to put on the agenda or put on the follow-up log? If you go to the council uh, meeting and click on that each item you can click on the item number one and it will have the detailed report there when you click on item one right but it just says um pending request but how do i know i don't see the item maybe i'm already at the right place madam chair can i share my screen please do <laughs> So if you go to the city council um, website where the, where the agendas are, right. um, you see item number one here. If right. you click on the staff report, then you can see the recommendation pass a motion approving the city clerk's log of council member pending requests. And then there's a description mm -hmm. of the request. Oh, interesting. I'm, I have... That's what it is. I'm looking at the wrong one. And it says here, if approved by the council, these items will be placed on the city manager's council follow-up log. So I'm going to stop sharing. I just wanted to make sure everyone was looking I at the same thing. I was looking at the wrong agenda. So Mr. Lara, so city council, at, city council can decide not to approve this item and have it be placed on the log. Is that correct? That's the deliberation that council will have tomorrow is whether to put this item on the log or not. 
I understand. Is there a reason this item is on, or is just on consent? That's just the procedure for the follow-up log. Got it, thank you. So this will probably be brought up early in the agenda. Great, thank you. Madam Chair, I believe Commissioner Alcara has his hand up. Apologize, Commissioner Alcara. Yeah, um, I know Commissioner Williamson mentioned he, he will reach out to his member. I think you know we're, most of us are appoint, um, are appointees of our city council members, and some are mayoral um, appointments. Um, I hope that everyone before the meeting will reach out uh, to their members and uh, reiterate that you know that we don't um, that they don't support this. That's a great idea. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And like we said, I think it sounds like we can go ahead independently also. All of us can submit e-comments as well. So if we cannot take a formal motion, if they're getting a lot of e-comments from us and we're reaching out to our appoint, appointed um, or elected, then I think the, the ones that are making the, appoint, the appointments that I think would also will, would be noticed. I'm still looking and I feel like I'm getting closer to an answer. I just wanted to update you. Thank you, Adriel. Mr. Lara, just a quick, uh, uh, just to double check, is the council's, which, which version of the city rules of procedure is the most recent version online? Just wanna make sure that I understand what the violation is that, they, that uh, they're considering. I would have to find that link to share with you and I can, I can follow up after this meeting and share with you whatever the current rules and procedures are. That's what I was asking about. The description of the request is, um, uh, due to my blatant disregard of our adopted council rules of procedure, which is why I asked about it in the, like, uh, during the presentation to see what rules of procedures actually Present, represent good cause to, for removal of a commissioner.
Chair Garcia, Queen Cecilia. If I, if I can share my screen, I can show you where the council rules and procedures exist. Perfect, thank you. So on at this city page, citywide policies and procedures, under council governance, there's the council rules of procedures. You have it under citywide policies under council governance, council rules and procedures. Thank you, found it. Madam Chair, I hope you don't mind. I was going to ask Vice Chair Bliss if you can um, you can um, either share the link or just give us the date of the of the um, City Council hearing so that we can go and review um, the hearing itself. Uh, you're talking about the vote or the consent calendar item for tomorrow, correct? No, I'm sorry. I'm asking about the um, the hearing where- um... The MBU policy discussion. Yes. yes. Um, one second. I can, yeah, can tell you the date. It was uh, the September 13th meeting, and then um, Councilmember Harris brought it up for uh, during the September 20th meeting. I just, I just wanted to think, I'm just reading through the procedures of chapter three, conduct of members. One of the things it does say in AH, be candid with each other about ideas and feelings and resolve conflicts directly. Encourage dissent and debate while being mindful not to prolong discourse or block consensus. 
Yeah. I'm of the mind based on what I've read from the rules of procedures as well as my understanding of the First Amendment. I mean, this is First Amendment protected speech, but most importantly, I mean, the, uh, he cited multiple different instances which did not happen at the course of, during the course of my commission, my, my commissionship, or, you know, like being a commissioner on this body. Um, and frankly, I mean, even if any of it was true, I mean, how is, like, it's First Amendment protected speech. And, how, and I'm confused as to how I like how city council can punish any one of us for disagreements or, or no matter how candid um, uh, or colorful our language may be. From my understanding, and this comes also from uh, county council uh, understanding, is that you, we are allowed to technically say, like, to technically swear or even say hate speech under the First Amendment during a public meeting, and we can't be punished for it. But in this instance, I like that appears to be the case for simply calling out uh, racism as a member of the public. But I don't want I don't want to hold up the meeting any further. I really appreciate y'all support, and I really do feel supported by this uh, by you all. Um, like I said, I'm really proud to be serving on this commission with you all. You all are an amazing group of people and have been doing like tremendous work and like despite the odds and uh, and frustrations that you all, that many of you have been facing longer than I have. So I just want to say thank you all. Uh, I don't we don't need to hold up any any longer than this. Commissioner Carter. I don't feel that you're holding up anything. You raise an important issue. We shouldn't be censored. I mean, um, I feel that the commission is under attack. They've already implemented this uh, change in the rules as far as no ad hocs and you can only have a subcommittee and subcommittee got to go to the city council or the city clerk and get permission to do X, Y, and Z coupled with the fact that now that the police department is no longer going to attend the meeting. So if something happens, they can always claim ignorance because they're not physically present. Any information they receive, unless you're meeting with them in direct communication, is going to be secondhand information. They got to get it from somebody else because um, they're not here. And now if you can't speak your piece um, and exercise your First Amendment rights, then we're all in jeopardy. So it's an important issue and you should be able to speak your piece. And, you know, we got all these rules and regulations on no discrimination, no racism, no sexual harassment. But the first time you call somebody a racist, they want to get all upset. So uh, it is a very important issue and we shouldn't be censored. And if the if that's the city council's position, then the reality is we need to rethink whether you really want a police commission because where's the transparency? Where's all this community trust? It's just rhetoric. And we've all known, we've been putting forth these recommendations for the last three years and only one of them was passed. And even a quote unquote fits backwards on that because when we first put the use of force language for the council, they didn't like the language. The mayor came up with his own language 
they voted for his language and then miraculously they changed their mind. So I think the message is clear. It's my two cents. No, thank you, Commissioner Carter. Um, Audrey, I saw your hand go up. It did go up and then it went down because <laughs> I read something that I wanted to make sure I read it right. Um, so a uh, few more minutes, I apologize. No, no, no. This is important to the commission. I, I think Commissioner Carter actually phrased it very well. Okay, I am back. So um, as, as Mary mentioned, there is an exception. Um, there's emergency circumstances, but then there's this other exception to where upon, the, upon a determination by a two thirds vote of the members of the legislative body present at the meeting, or if less than two thirds of the members are present, a unanimous vote of those members present, that there is a need to take immediate action and that the need for action came to the attention of the local agency or the commission uh, subsequent to the agenda being posted. So there is an exception to taking a vote on non-agendized items. So we just need to make the motion? Yes. So, hold on, let me read. Go on the record. So you need two thirds vote of the members uh, present at the meeting that there is a need to take immediate action and that the need came to the attention of the commission subsequent to the agenda being posted. Yes. Commissioner Guerrero, you have your hand up. I wanna go ahead and move to um, have the, on the basis uh, that was just explained to us, <laughs> I'm not gonna repeat it, um, uh, ask the commission to uh, take up a vote in support of Vice Chair uh, uh, Keon Bliss and in opposition to item number one of the, um, City Council agenda uh, for tomorrow's meeting at 5 p.m. and in opposition of uh, a vote to place that item on the agenda. Sorry if it was long-winded. <laughs> no, that was perfect. I second. Madam Clerk, can we please call the roll? 
Thank you, Chair. I just wanted to make sure I took down the action correctly. My apologies. Chair Castillo King Krings, excuse me. Before you take a vote, um, would you be able to just repeat what you have as the action? I'm sorry, just so everybody's clear. Sure. So what I have is Guerrero um, was the first vote in support of Vice Chair Bliss opposing the city council's item number one. Okay. And um, the, the motion also includes that they've determined that there's an immediate need to take, sorry, there's a need to take immediate action and the need for the action came to their attention after the agenda was posted. Okay, I captured all that, Audriel. Thank you. Thank you. You're Just welcome. a quick clarification, Audriel. Um, mm -hmm. It requires two thirds of the members present. Does that mean that mm -hmm. um, Commissioner Bliss can vote for this item? Um, I would abstain. Um, okay. If I would, yeah. No, that, that's why I wanted that to make sure that yeah. I, you know, we're kind of we're yeah. kind of doing this uh, quickly. Yes. So I just want to make sure. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. Um, so with that, Madam Clerk, does that sound, Adriel? It sounds like we captured the motion. Yes. I have a question. So. Um, Mario, you said in opposition to number one and in opposition to them taking any vote, period. Is that what you said? Taking um, a, a vote to uh, a place on the, uh, on the on a city council agenda to vote on, yes. Because the, so both to vote, to agendize, um, and also to agendize, because it's a two-step process is my understanding. Okay, so what I heard the city clerk read back only had one prong. It only said opposition to number one. It didn't say anything else. Thank you, uh, Commissioner yeah. Carter. I think you're correct. Madam Clerk, can you read it again? The motion? So what I have is in support of Vice Chair Bliss. There's an opposition to the city council for item number one. Audriel has also added that it's determined it needed immediate action after the agenda was posted. Madam Clerk, if you can add after opposing item one, if you can add and placing the item on the city council <laughs> agenda. So the commission is opposed. So the motion is the commission is formally opposed to placing item one on the city clerk's log in removing removing um, Commissioner Bliss from our commission. Okay, Chair, I just needed it to be clear because I had one from Commissioner Guerrero. It's a little bit confusing for me at this point. So would you like for me to go with your verbiage just now or Commissioner Guerrero, are we adding on something additional? I just wanted to be so clear when I bring it. Let's start. Let's start from the top. 
So the beginning of your motion is the commission believes there is a need to take immediate action and that the need for the action came to the attention of the commission after the agenda, today's agenda was posted. And the commission, tell, tell me if I'm going too fast. No, go ahead, Audrey. Thank you. No problem. Um, and you have passed a motion at the beginning. Sorry. The, the, the typical recommendation language pass a motion that there is a need to take immediate action and that need for action came to the attention of the commission subsequent to the agenda being posted. And you can put a semicolon if you want. Okay. The commission moves to, and this is where I'll need your help, um, Chair, uh, excuse me, Commissioner Guerrero, because you're the maker of the motion. Sure, it's three. I'm gonna, I'm gonna uh, add, I'm gonna uh, do three parts. Um, the motion is uh, that the commission supports Vice Chair Keon. That's one. Two, opposes item one on the city council agenda for 9.13 at 5 p.m. and oppose agendizing the vote for the removal of Vice Chair Kian. Kian's with Sure, was that it? That was it. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you for clarifying. No, thank no, you. No, no, I'm glad we did. Yes. So we have a first and a second motion. I'm going to call the roll. Chair Castillo Krings? Aye. Vice Chair Bliss? Abstain. Mario Guerrero? Aye. Renee Carter? Aye. Commissioner Elkara? Aye. Richard Falcon is absent. Gregory Jefferson is absent. Commissioner Marion is? Aye. Thank you. Commissioner Rose Hamer is absent. Commissioner Espinoza Salazar? Aye. And Commissioner Williamson? He's having some technical issues, but texted me and wanted to say aye in support. I'm not sure if we can do that, Adriel. Uh, he's wondering if he can vote by proxy. 
Andrea, I thought we had to have. Either. Oh, he's having. He's having some technical Sorry, issues. Yeah, uh, Commissioner Williamson is having technical issues. Asked, he's definitely in support of Commissioner Bliss. He wants to know if he can vote by proxy. Hmm. Uh, Clerk, you were. Uh, what were you going to say? Um, please feel free to correct me, but I thought um, in order to vote, either your camera has to be on or your voice has to be heard and recognized. Can we call him on our phone and his mm -hmm. voice? Oh, yeah. Right. Let me see. I'm going to do that right now. Also, um, while she's doing that, do we have the right date for the motion? Um, September 13th, I think was said, but I'm not sure why we're using September 13th. Or what's 913? I apologize. Thank you for correcting me. I was, that was the video. If I'm so sorry about that. Um, the agenda. Uh, the, the correct date is um, October 11th at uh, 5 p.m. Okay. I have, I, hold, hold on one second. I have Commissioner Williamson on the line. Can everybody hear him? Go ahead, Steve. This is Steve Williamson, and I voted in support of the motion. Madam Clerk, is that sufficient? Um, I defer to the CAO. Adriel, do you know his voice to confirm that? I do. Thank you. So if Adriel confirmed, motion Thank passes. Thank you very much for reaching out. Of course. I have a question. Can I proceed? Yes, Commissioner Carter. Okay, so Mario had mentioned September 13th, and then we did a correction that is October 11th, 2020. So do we have to do a whole new motion? I sure hope not. <laughs> I think for our purposes, I think you're you're fine. It's captured that it was a correction. And I mean, if you want clarity, you can do it again. If you just want to make it crystal clear and it's unquestionable, you can. Okay, I defer to the chair. Madam Clerk, can the correction stand? Thank you, Chair. If CAO said it was okay, I am more than happy to accept the vote. Great. Well, so the vote with the correction or what? Yes, I believe that that is the, the correction. The correction stands and the vote now is valid. Right. Okay. Okay. Um, and so with that, I will be sending a formal email to all of the city council and the mayor basically saying that we took a vote and that um, just reiterating kind of what we went through right now just to make sure that everybody does. And I'm going to be able to say I'm doing it not just as a chair, but the entire commission has taken a, a, an official position on this item. Okay. And I'm going to, I can see, I'm going to see everybody. Just don't respond to the email. All right. Um, thank you everybody with that meeting adjourned. Oh, commissioner Carter. 
Um, I want to thank Mary for bringing it to our attention that there is um, ordinance statute, whatever you want to call it, saying that we can take this emergency vote because without her knowledge, we probably wouldn't have been able to take the vote. So I want to give a kudos to her. Thank you. That's right. Oh, thank you so much, Mary. No, thank it's been a real privilege working with all of you. So I, I may not be your official contact person, but I'll still be at these meetings and supporting you any way that I can. Thank you, Mary. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you all. Appreciate you. And thank you so much, Commissioner Bliss, for bringing it to our attention, because that's the only way we know about what happened. So thank you. You've been our, our eyes and ears in with City Council, so we cannot lose you. All right. Thanks with that, everybody.